and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. Today, Bryce Simon is on the show. And we're going to be here. We're going to break down some NBA trade deadline candidates and try and figure out where their best fit is across the NBA if they are to be moved at the NBA trade deadline. It's that time of year. The NBA trade deadline is next week, guys. I don't know it feels like it's creeped up. It feels like everything this year is creeping up, especially when you've as much random shit on your plate as I do. Uh, Bryce, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. I bit my tongue a couple days ago, Sam, and it hurts like hell. And so my wife is like, do I yeah. like you? You're talking like you have a lisp. So if I sound a little bit different throughout the episode, that is why like it's such <laughs> is biting your tongue. The dumbest painful thing there is in the world it's like this is so stupid but it ruins everything it makes it hard to talk it makes it hard to eat like and i love food i enjoy food so much and so it ruins that so yeah it's just such it's the most annoying thing ever and the side of your mouth too that's another one like if you bite the side of your mouth and you just feel that like immediate pain like that scraping of like teeth up against like the side of your mouth oh it's the worst feeling it's just the worst uh So today, we're going to try and do this more based off of player than off of team. We're going to go in order of like team, kind of. Like the first guy we're going to talk about is DeJounte Murray. And then we'll follow up DeJounte with some of the other Hawks guys in terms of like potential fits that could or could not make sense. But for the most part, we're going to focus this a little bit more on the idea of where are the best fits for these players. Uh, across the league. We're going to look at it from the perspective of the teams involved that could acquire them. We're going to look at it from the perspective of the players involved and just kind of dive in and see what we think makes sense for everybody across the board. Uh, Bryce, you ready to go? Let's do this. Let's just jump in. Yeah, I'm just a little disappointed. You always want to talk about the Pistons. They finally beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in an impressive win. And, you know, we just have to get to the trade talk right, right off the bat. I mean, look, we can talk about the Pistons from no, the jump no, That's that no, a game no, I've nobody, not watched for what it's worth. So nobody, like, want, <laughs> nobody wants to talk about it. I just had to give you a hard time. Let's but, talk to Jante Mori and the Atlanta Hawks. Well, so real quick on the Pistons. You okay. did text me about the experience of like, should we talk about like Cade off the ball a little bit more versus Cade, like having to play on the ball all the time when he plays because he obviously didn't play in that Oklahoma City game. He right? did not. Correct. So... I mean, look, if you have thoughts on that, I'm all for you giving them based off of that. Because who, uh, I know Duran played well in that game. And then yeah. I think Ivy played okay in that game, right? So Duran was like the, the box score 20, 20, and 6. Incredible. Ivy's box score numbers weren't as good. But Jaden Ivy was really good, really impactful. Jaden Ivy has found a way to kind of win on the margins is the way I say it. Had multiple impactful, like, offensive rebounds, hustle plays. He gets an assist to Burke sitting on his butt after he saves the ball out of bounds. Just really impactful he's learned to make second efforts defensively my thing with Kate is I want to wait and see like right now it's like oh they won without Kate and I'm like I want to judge this Kate Ivy thing more when they're on the floor together not with how it looks when they're not on the floor together if that makes sense and yeah that so I'm waiting to see that a little bit more so I think the jury's still out there I'm just interested is Kate willing to play off the ball a little bit more because Jaden Ivy I think is really good at basketball yeah, look, I've been, I feel like you and I have been preaching the Jaden Ivey is great choir for, you know, whatever the hell it is for a while. While I've always just been worried that they would give up on him yeah. because early in the season, they 
didn't play him and felt like they jerked him around for some ungodly reason. I've always really liked Jaden Ivey and think he's awesome. And I feel like some Pistons fans like get a little bit up in arms when I like bring him up in potential trade packages. I'm not doing that because I think he's bad. I'm doing that because I don't know if the Pistons realize he's good a lot of the time. Yeah. It seems like based off of reporting from James Edwards that they're not going to move any of like KJ and Jaron, uh, Jalen Duran or uh, Asar Thompson and the rest of it. Like, we'll see what happens, but yeah, no, I, I'm a big Jaden Ivy fan, and I think that he is a real dude uh, for them moving forward. Yeah, I just I'm very bullish on the Cade Ivy backcourt can work and they can yeah. figure it out and they can play together. But part of that is also staggering them and then letting Jaden do his thing with the second unit. So um, I, I'm I'm really excited for Jaden because he took a lot of heat early in the year from different places his fault not his the, fault the whatever. coaching staff the coaching like, staff yeah based and, off of the fact that he wasn't playing yes he's been really good and and i don't think the what's really cool is the box score doesn't show all of it and doesn't show all of them he was awful defensively in his rookie season i'm not saying mm-hmm. he's great but when you give second effort and you're as athletic as Jaden Ivey is, those two things together can make you at least a neutral defender. And that's what he's doing right now. He's giving second efforts defensively. And then he's combining that with really nice athleticism that's turning into blocks, impactful plays. He's learned how to offensive rebound really well. Just again, winning on the margins. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about DeJounte Murray now, because that's where I want to start this. I think he is, seemingly the biggest impact guy that has a seemingly significant chance to be traded, right? Yep. DeMar DeRozan, it feels like is unclear right now what the bulls are doing. Zach Levine, unclear what the bulls are doing. Alex Caruso, unclear with what they're doing. Uh, You can look kind of across the board, you know, maybe Kyle Kuzma. I think that's a real opportunity, but they, you know, similarly to the Hawks with DeJounte Murray, they don't have any, uh, need to do this now, given that Kuzma is on a four-year deal right now. DeJounte is essentially on a five-year deal at this point. Uh, you know, maybe Quentin Grimes, maybe Bruce Brown, etc. We'll go through some of those names. But Murray is the one that stands out to me, especially with this little strong run that he's been on over the course of the last, I don't know, what do you want to call this? Like last three weeks, something yeah. like that? like right around right around those lines Uh, has made a couple of game winners has just been a lot more consistent frankly when i watch him like over the last 14 games so that's from december 31st onward he's averaging 24 points shooting 49.8 percent from the field 41 percent from three 83 percent from the line 6.1 rebounds 4.7 assists versus only 2.4 turnovers those are borderline all-star numbers. The Hawks are not good enough to where they can get two all-stars. And I think Trey Young is like very clearly the guy that stirs the drink there. And again, I, I've had some worries with DeJounte's defense over the course of this time as well. I think he hasn't brought as much effort. I don't really care, though. If he's going to be this offensively, he is definitely a real dude that can make a significant impact as like a third best player on a contender. And teams like the Lakers, you know, et cetera, should really be going after him with all they've got, I think. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if the defensive thing 
is going to be – I listened to you and Andrew Select, awesome episode doing the midseason awards. And, you know, you talked about OG Ananobi, right? And I think yeah. Schlecht had him second on DPOY, kind of just going off his time with the Knicks, and you kind of reminded everybody, hey, he wasn't that great with the Raptors, though. Now, DeJounte is not the same impactful of a defender as OG just because of size and stuff, but it makes you wonder if DeJounte does get moved do we see that level of defender of what his reputation is yeah. of what it was in San Antonio, right? Whenever like we all know this, we've all probably worked in environments where maybe we weren't at a hundred percent maximum in every area of our profession because we were unhappy or whatever it was. I'm not saying DeJounte's unhappy, but maybe it's not an ideal situation. There's a reason he's being talked about on the trade block. And so I wonder if teams will sell themselves on, we'll get the DeJounte, not only what he's doing offensively, where he's shooting the ball really well from three on this season as a whole, Sam. We know he can play on the ball if you need him to. He's had to play off the ball a little bit, scoring the ball well, and you get that level of a defender. There's some teams that could really use that. The Lakers, I know it's the easy one, but it just does make a lot of sense adding him to that. I wonder what other teams get in the mix to make it harder for the Lakers to acquire him to rate. I think that's what Atlanta needs, right? Is somebody else to get in the mix here to put some pressure on the Lakers to up the ante and the offer. So, yeah. And people bring up the shooting with DeJounte all the yeah. time, right? Is the big question. Typically the numbers, the stats, the, you know, analytics, uh, you know, studies that have been done say that, three-point shooting tends to normalize after 700 attempts, something in that ballpark. You can go through kind of hot streaks here and there, but normalizing tends to happen around there. DeJounte Murray, over the last two seasons, has taken, and that includes all of last season, this half season he's played so far. He's taken 665 three-point attempts, and he's made 36.2% of them. I think that we should just kind of look at DeJounte is a guy who can make an open three now. That That's kind of what the numbers are indicating. He might go through stretches. He might go through streaks. But the indications are that he can actually shoot at a reasonable, like, solid clip to where teams can't leave him open. And if teams can't leave him open, that's going to create all sort of interesting potential options for a team like the Lakers to pair him with an Austin Reeves, LeBron James, guys who can run the show offensively and really be able to get creative, really be able to attack different things uh, offensively. So I, I really think that his best fit across the board in terms of team, in terms of what works for the player, maybe not in terms of what works best for Atlanta in terms of getting the most return back, and we can talk about that momentarily. I think that what makes the most sense remains the Lakers, and I still think a deal around D'Angelo Russell probably makes the most sense and I can explain why that is momentarily but that seems to me to align kind of with everything and it seems like that would then put they have to find the third team to take D'Lo right like Atlanta out of anybody probably isn't interested in keeping D'Lo at least playing him with Trey Young yeah, I mean, you look at Murray's three-point attempts this year, Sam. I mean, it's gone up every year, for one, his three-point yeah. attempts. five Over five last year at 34%, not great, but his attempts were increasing, right? His percentage has increased every year as well. He's over six attempts at 39%. So, you know, one thing that goes along with three-point shooting, it's just about the gravity a lot of times, right? you got to have 
the floor spacing. You have to force the defense to respect you. When you look at a guy that's shooting that many attempts at that percentage, that's going to provide floor spacing. That's going to have gravity and force people outside of the lane to respect him in that way. I think the Lakers make a lot of sense because, yes, I think Austin Reeves could play more on ball than what they do and and all of those things. We, we've talked about this, but Austin Reeves can play off the ball. LeBron doesn't want to have to do it all the time. You know you know he'll be there in the playoffs and in the big moments. We've, we've seen that. I think DeJounte would get to play on the ball quite a bit with L.A. I think they need that. And that I just think that makes sense where, hey, Reeves can play on the ball a little bit. DeJounte can play off, but then they can switch. You can stagger it. In the big moments, it can still be LeBron with the ball in hand. So I just think it makes too much sense. But I think you have to find the third team then to take D'Lo because I don't think the Hawks are probably going to bring him in there and play him. Yeah, I think that that aligns. My trade that I'm kind of constructing on the fly here while we're doing this that I think kind of can tick a lot of different boxes for everybody involved is something like the Knicks take D'Angelo Russell, the Lakers get DeJounte Murray, the Hawks get like Yvonne Fournier and maybe like Max Christie and some draft capital and things like that. Like that kind of makes sense for everybody, right? So the Knicks just getting me. Oh, so D'Lo's essentially the quickly replacement in the second unit. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Um, I will say I pulled D'Lo's splits for his career as a starter and bench. And it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I would say this is probably true for most guys. It just would be interesting. We've seen it with the Lakers over the last couple of weeks, whenever they've went back to the starting lineup and he's been cooking. I just wonder, like his numbers are way better as a starter, I guess is my point. But, you know, maybe in New York, he just thrives in that same way that quickly did. Yeah. Like, so send that to the Hawks. So something like this here. Maybe you do something like, give, give me a second. I've, I've screwed this up again. Keep talking, Bryce. Yeah. So I want to, while you're doing that, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because there's a couple other teams that I think are interesting um, that you put in there for the, the Brooklyn Nets, I think are a team that could really use someone like DeJounte Murray. And then also the Magic are another team that you had in there. Now, with both of those teams, obviously some good players, Mikel Bridges with the Nets, Paolo and Franz with the Magic, and Jalen Suggs and all that. The Nets one really intrigues me because it's like, could we find out what the best version of DeJounte Murray is? He goes to Brooklyn. They need a true on-ball guy, creator, kind of run the offense through him with the starting lineup. So I would be interested just for DeJounte Murray and finding out how good is this guy that would be interesting to me. I'm not saying I would do that if I was the Nets. I don't even know what that offer would look like and if it could be the things that you're about to put up here. The Magic, the same way. Like It'd be interesting. I know Paolo plays with the ball a lot. Franz plays with the ball a lot. Jalen Suggs has been really good this year, but it would be interesting, those two teams, to see if it would maximize DeJounte. Yeah, so that kind of thing. You could do... The Hawks getting the Hawks only moving DeJounte Murray. They get Yvonne Fournier, Max Christie, the 2030 first round pick from the Lakers unprotected. So they do a pick swap for 2019 where the Hawks get the most favorable. The Lakers get the least favorable. 
And then the Knicks send two second round picks to the Hawks as well. The Lakers get DeJounte Murray and then the Knicks get D'Angelo Russell. Russell helps the Knicks because they need the second unit offensive creation. Uh, He also gives them a potentially tradable expiring contract next year if Russell decides to opt in. If he doesn't decide to opt in, then it's just, you know, a rental and that probably works for them. Uh, And then the Lakers get Murray and that's a huge win for them. They're giving up Max Christie, a pick swap and a first rounder. That feels like a win for them too. Like that to me feels like something that makes, that ticks a lot of boxes for all of these teams, I guess. Yeah, I mean, when you said the Knicks initially, I was like, man, I don't know if that makes sense. But, I mean, it, it makes complete sense if, again, if D'Lo is willing to kind of accept that role. And and I should be clear here, the I mean, the amount of games he's played as a starter compared to as off the bench is is startling. Like, it's, it's way different. So it's almost not fair to compare the numbers. But if D'Lo did and was willing to accept, like, the Emmanuel quickly role, yeah, the Knicks could use that. And the Knicks are real interesting, right? Like when healthy, obviously they've dealt with some stuff right now. It's crazy. But if Mitch Robb does come back, it seems like OG was the perfect trade. Julius has been playing well. Obviously Brunson's insane. And then you're able to, I don't know, whatever percent of IQ D'Lo is make up that. That that's that's interesting for them. I, I That makes a lot more sense than whenever you initially said it. And then obviously for the Hawks, you get the assets, and for the Lakers, you get DeJounte, which, like we said, is a really nice fit. With how well D'Angelo Russell has played recently, are you still of the belief that DeJounte Murray is a significant upgrade on D'Angelo Russell? So I was I listened to a pod about this the other day. And it's like, do we let this – do I let this stretch sway me? Because I believe I have the stretch here has been – it's been really good, Sam. He's been really good over the last eight games. I believe this is since they moved him back into the starting lineup. It may go back a little, a few more games than this. Over the no, last, it's eight, exactly right. Okay, over the last eight, twenty-seven and a half points on 52, 54, 92, 6.4 assists, and only two point eight turnovers. Now the thing is, it's an eight-game stretch, and we know D'Angelo Russell is talented, but like he's not going to keep those shooting splits. So. Correct. My my heart tells me, like my gut tells me, like you can't let this sway you if you're the Lakers just because he's been playing so well. Like if you didn't think it was going to work two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't think you can let this little stretch sway your mind. So he had that eight game stretch, right? In the previous 16 games before that, he averaged 11 points in 26 minutes per night, shooting 42, 34, 68 uh, with 5.8 assists per game. So he goes through runs like this. He's yeah. a really talented, gifted shot maker, playmaker. There's just a lot of overlap in terms of what he and Austin Reeves tend to bring to the table. I really think that the best explanation I've heard from this came from Jovan Bua. Jovan brought this up and I thought it was really sharp. The reason that the Lakers will keep Austin Reeves ahead of D'Angelo Russell even if you think D'Angelo Russell is a better player than Austin Reeves. I don't agree with that, but whatever. Even if you think D'Angelo Russell is a better player, they have no contract control over him moving forward because he has a player option for next season. Let's say that D'Angelo Russell keeps up this exceptional play, right? He's opting out of that player option. Yeah, yep. 
So you have no control over him. Let's say that he doesn't keep this up and goes back to being kind of who he's been throughout the course of the season. Then he opts in. Then this is a negative contract. He probably opts in. And then you're kind of back to the status quo here. That's why moving D'Angelo Russell makes a lot of sense for the Lakers and why doing so over Austin Reeves makes more sense for the Lakers. You want to keep the guys that you can have on relatively cheap cost control contracts. And that's what Austin Reeves is comparatively to D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I I would still anticipate that Russell gets moved. I I think that makes the most sense in my opinion. That's my opinion. That doesn't come from like, you know, Intel that comes from me understanding the way that NBA contracts work. I know that the Lakers have won five of their last seven because Russell is on this great tear. They're also getting the doors blown off right now by the Houston Rockets because Cam Whitmore is going God mode. Shout out Cam Whitmore. But like, (laughs) I still think that making that adjustment, that shift makes the most sense for the Lakers. Uh, other teams that I think could make sense. We've talked recently about the DeJounte Murray Brooklyn idea. Yeah. I can't remember if it was with you or somebody else. Uh, look, if Brooklyn wants to get involved, they can outbid anybody because they have the picks. Uh, it's just Brooklyn has to make a decision on do they want to buy at the deadline. Uh, ben Simmons came back tonight and played well for Brooklyn. Uh, shout out to Ben Simmons. Uh, he played. I saw the first like five-minute stretch he played. He had this. I thought he was super valuable. I'll look at the box score here while we're talking. Uh, he ended up with 10 points, 11 assists in 18 minutes on five for five from the field. I thought he was really good in that first five minute run. That's what I watched. I can't speak to the rest of the game when he had that, those other 13 minutes, but I thought he was really good. Gave them a ton of energy, moved the ball really well, was really useful. Uh, does Ben Simmons presence change anything for them? Again, you can't base things off of a one game sample, but I think that they'll probably explore this over the course of the next week and a half and see where they might feel like his game is and where his body is more than anything and go from there. But if they want DeJounte and if they think they can play DeJounte and Ben Simmons together, which is interesting in some respect, if you believe DeJounte can shoot now, that's intriguing. Uh, if you could do like a, if you could do a couple of picks for Dejounte Murray, you could do and go get you know potentially Donovan Mitchell maybe this summer, and then you have Ben Simmons like as a great defensive stopper who can pick and short roll, who can get out and transition and create downhill pressure and like that's the makings of a really interesting team with Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, etc. Things like that. I don't think that team competes for a title and it would require Donovan Mitchell to be available, which I don't think he is right now, but there might be something there at least. Yeah. Brooklyn continues to be a team where I look at their roster and you look at their, I know they don't have their own picks, but they have other picks and it's like, it's just really interesting. I like a lot of the players on the roster, but it's like, how does this all fit? How do they move forward? When is the right time to, I don't want to say go all in, but start making your move. How big of a move do you need to make? Like, is Mikel Bridges a number two or is he a number three? Well, if he's a number, you know, what is Ben Simmons? As you just said, there's just, it's very interesting, but there's a lot of questions with the roster as well. Mm -hmm. How good is Cam Johnson? You know, those type of things. And so they're a really interesting team to track. 
but they're one of those that's, you know, some of these teams you look at and you kind of know exactly what they need to do and what the path is. I can't really put my finger on the path for the Nets because I guess there's so many options and so many questions in, in which it, they can do it. A few other like random wild cards. The Magic need to do something, I think, at this point. Uh, if they want to continue to be like a real team that makes the playoffs and get some experience into Paulo and Franz and those guys, uh, or maybe they're just comfortable being a play-in team and kind of rolling with it that way. But if they want to like really have a shot at this thing, I think they're going to have to do something to make the offense a little bit more tenable. It just feels really hard for them every time I watch them. It also particularly feels very difficult for their bench units as much as anything. Like they, they are really getting not a ton of creation, let's go with, from the bench units. Uh, I love Paulo Bancaro. I love Franz Wagner. I love Jalen Suggs. I think those guys are absolute keepers for them and they should move forward with that group. I'd imagine that given that they just drafted Anthony black, they'll probably continue to move forward with him. I kind of think like anybody else is pretty open there and they have a lot of potential expiring deals. I think we'll probably get into some other magic ideas later, but Murray is an interesting idea. If you like the fit of Murray and Suggs together Uh, defensively, if you think that that could work, they have the picks, they have the young talent. Like if, the magic wanted to the problem is they've taken a lot of flyers on like points. And if you're the Hawks, you have Kobe Bufkin and obviously still Trey young. That feels a little bit complicated. I would think that they could get something done with the picks that they have, but it doesn't feel quite as easy of a fit to me for Murray, for the magic. Uh, I mean, look, the warriors, the warriors are really fun because like, if the Warriors wanted to take on bad salary plus DeJounte Murray and like we're willing to throw like Clay Thompson into a deal, I don't know if they're going to or not. I can't imagine that they are, just being completely honest. But that Clay Thompson $43 million contract that's expiring is sitting there and the Warriors could make uh, Atlanta's life a lot easier moving forward in terms of their books. Uh, and plus, like Clay Thompson, Trey Young is, you know, if you're going to get the most out of Clay, then, you know, move them to a Stephen Curry facsimile, maybe. A uh, couple other teams. The Pelicans are like a sleeping giant this deadline to me. They have all of these picks still that they could decide to move in a deal. DeJounte really lines up well with CJ McCollum, with Zion Williamson, with Brandon Ingram. Like that's a kind of move if you believe DeJounte can shoot where that's a real difference maker for them. And I I do wonder if they look to try to get involved like in a real way and like a more difference making move than what people think right now. Well, I know BI and Zion both like to play with the ball in their hands, but you know, I, I kind of like when I watch the Pelicans play, I like CJ kind of playing as a spot up guy at this point in his career. So, you know, he can play spot up 
And then DeJounte can kind of be the table setter for them and create hopefully with, you know, you find ways for him to create with Brandon Ingram, with Zion. And then, you know, obviously, as we said, multiple times now can play off of those guys as well. So yeah, that's a, that's a real interesting lineup there in terms of, you know, and then they, they have, you know, multiple young, interesting players where you could probably just, if you wanted to hold on to some picks, you could hold on, you know, you could send out one of those guys because you may not have enough, you know, in the rotation minutes left anyway, or you could just be crazy deep, right? I mean, that that moves yeah. Herb Jones to the bench along with Murphy. You know, Jordan Hawkins has been good. And so, you know, I, I, I thought Najee Marshall has given them decent minutes here and there. And so you could just be crazy deep, you know, coming off the bench with all these wing guys along with that starting lineup. So, that would be real interesting. Yeah, the, the Pelicans are kind of sneaky just hanging around, right, that nobody's talking about. What if you did something like Herb Jones and like a pick or something for DeJounte Murray? Herb Jones and a pick or two uh, for DeJounte Murray. Like that's – we talk a lot about them not having two-way players. If DeJounte can get back defensively with a little bit lesser usage, that's kind of an intriguing one, I think, for them. Yeah, and then if you're the Hawks, like Herb Jones comes in, and I feel like that's a nice wing to pair with Jalen Johnson and Trey Young, and you you build it out from there. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't think about the Pelicans until you brought him up, but yeah, yeah, uh, maybe it's Dyson Daniels instead of Herb sure. Jones, right? Maybe you want to keep Herb. Uh, I can't imagine they do Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no. a little bit too good to be involved in a deal like this, but. You know, they have Jordan Hawkins as well. Like, I would want to keep Jordan Hawkins if I was them, but like Hawkins is really useful. They have a lot of interesting young pieces to where they could get involved in this. And if I'm the Hawks, I I would fight pretty hard for Jordan Hawkins in terms of what we've seen. And then again, his fit off of Trey, you know, like you talk about how Clay Thompson would be a great fit playing off of Trey Young. Well, Jordan Hawkins would be a really good young fit playing off of Trey Young in Atlanta. So uh, again, I think it would come down to as the Pelicans, how much does this raise your ceiling and what are you willing to give up? But if I'm the Hawks and I can get one of those guys, like I feel like out of all the players we've mentioned, the Pelicans in this situation, we've talked about offering the best player, no? Like the one that fits the best, right? I think the Pelicans really could line up here in a way that makes sense. It's just whether or not they like them or not. Sure. Um, And I don't have an answer to that. Uh, a couple other guys on the Hawks, I think worth looking at Bogdan Bogdanovich. The impression I've gotten is that like, they like Bogdan. They think of him at a higher level, at least than Deandre Hunter and Clint Capella. Like, I think they would let, let, let's take a step back before I say something, uh, stupid. Um, (laughs) The Hawks would like to, I think, get off of uh, a bit of money to clear their books moving forward. My impression is that they really like Bogdan Bogdanovich and are not unhappy with his money being on their books. Uh, not to say they are hap- or unhappy with other guys. I think like a very obvious move for them is moving Clint Capella, given that he has another year at $22 million or whatever. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter is another guy that they have on three more years after this, I think at like $75 million. So it would make sense for them to try to look to move off of those. I guess yeah, I mean, I would say. maybe, the, I don't know if this is a 
bad take or hot take. Like, I feel like I'd rather have Boyan on my books than DeAndre Hunter right now, just based on I know Hunter's Hunter's younger. Hunter, you know, I theoretically is like this three and D wing forward, but doesn't always play a ton of games. Seems like there's some health stuff there. Like Bogdan would probably be six man of the year if the Hawks were good. Like he's he's yeah. and and then the the big factor I should start with this is the contracts. Bogdan has two more years at less money. It's descending. And then the fourth year, when he is going to be 34, people are like, yeah, he's in his 30s already. Well, that's the club option. So I think the contract is just better. And you know exactly what you're going to get from Bogdan essentially game in and game out. Again, he's averaging 17 points right now. I realize maybe he's not, you know, any of the other stuff that DeAndre Hunter is in terms of, you know, size and versatility. Well, and, De- and DeAndre Hunter is a theoretical player. That's and he's a, still a theoretical player. And he's always been a guy that people are like, well, he, he's a great on ball defender. You know, maybe we can get him to make an impact more off the ball. Uh, well, he's always been a good shooter. Maybe we can get him to shoot more threes. He still takes under five threes per game. He makes them at 40%. Like he's a, when he takes threes, he, he's a consistent shooter. He makes something like 36 to 40% from three. Uh, it's just that I, he doesn't quite make the impact that you want him to. Uh, so that's what, for what the I, number is. I've watched thirteen. I counted up today. I've watched thirteen full Atlanta Hawks games this season, and DeAndre Hunter barely showed up in my notes, Sam. And like that's just it's telling yeah. to me because I try to take as in depth notes as I can when I have the time to sit down and watch a full game. I take as in depth notes as possible, so I'm ready whenever we get on here and talk about these things. And I, I couldn't find any notes on him. Like there was literally nothing. And I realized he's been hurt recently. So that's part of it. But I, I checked notes going all the way back to the beginning of the year. And there's still, there's still, you know, nothing on there. So I just, to me, it's like, I, I don't know how impactful he is. Like, I think you said it perfect. He's a theoretical player. I understand the intrigue. If somebody tells me that, you know, another team, another coach, organization, whatever can get it out of him, I'll buy into it. But again, Bogdan comes in and gets buckets. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. And I think he's on a pretty good contract, assuming you don't think he's going to fall off a cliff in year 32, 33. Other sneaky thing with Bogdan is has always been kind of a killer in big moments. Uh, Has made the FIBA World Cup team, the all-FIBA World Cup team in both 2019 and 2023. Uh, Won multiple finals MVP awards over in Europe before coming to the NBA. And then in the Hawks' last two playoff runs, he's been at 14 points in 26 minutes per game on a 62 true shooting percentage. I think he's just kind of a dude that you can trust to be great in the playoffs. Like, honestly, he if the Lakers aren't willing to pay what the number is for DeJounte or the asset value is, I kind of think he's their second option. I know that he wouldn't help the defense necessarily, but I think he is differentiated enough in terms of like off ball value from D'Angelo Russell to where I wouldn't mind the idea of that. I mean, I think the Lakers defense is going to have to like, I think AD just going to have to be incredible defensively. And so, you know, just getting some more offense where you can be better there may make sense. Yeah. Listen, I was watching a game today. um, Whoever the Hawks played lots on Sunday and uh, the Raptors and, he was playing. He started because Murray didn't play, 
and Trey Young was on the floor and kind of doing his thing, running pick and roll, doing all that. Bogdan really wasn't involved. Trey, Trey, Trey Young left the floor and Bogdan had like immediately flipped a switch. Like it was bucket, bucket, bucket. And so yep. it, like, it was just like, this dude can go start getting buckets whenever he's asked starting lineup, bench, playoffs whatever like exactly what you said it seems like it's he understands the moment and whenever he needs to turn it on he can do it I I think he's again I don't know what the defense is but the dude can really score the ball yeah and you know there are other teams out there like honestly the magic we brought up for DeJounte the magic would make all the sense in the world I think for Bogdan Bogdanovich uh if I was then that's the kind of guy I'd be really looking at trying to give money to because you can play him with Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs, and he can kind of share the ball, play some point. He can really shoot. He makes sense next to Paulo and Franz if they're initiating. That's just like the kind of player that makes all the sense in the world for them. If I was Orlando, I think that he would actually be my like main target uh, above some of these other guys. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder based on, it sounds like maybe the Hawks, like you said, aren't as excited or willing or whatever the word is to move him. I just wonder if he's actually the best Hawks target based on what it would take to acquire him. Now, maybe it's not, maybe he doesn't end up because they're more willing to hold on to or more wanting to hold on to him than DeJounte. I think Clint Capella is intriguing for some specific teams and I assume it's not going to take a lot to get him, but yeah, I just, I think Bogdanovich is really good. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I like honestly, it's hard to come up with what exactly makes sense for Bogdan. Like, if you're the Magic, like, could you do a couple of seconds, maybe plus like Jet Howard or something? Like, does this does this kind of deal line up for everybody? So. It'd be Bogdan Bogdanovich to the magic for Markel Fultz, Jet Howard in two seconds. Jet Howard, like a big shooting guard that can kind of make sense next to Trey. If you're the Hawks, you can sell, oh, we got a lottery pick for yeah. Bogdan Bogdanovich, even though he's like not quite lottery value, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't know, like that. I don't, I don't hate that idea. Fultz run the second unit. Fultz run. I mean, Fultz is a free agent at the end of the year. It's just so for the d- salary expi- matching. Just a match. Uh, you know how I feel about Jet Howard. So, um, I mean, would you rather just have their first this year? I don't think their first is enough to get it done. Personally, uh, it just would depend on like whether or not the magic like Jet Howard. Or the Hawks, I'm sorry. The Magic very clearly like Jed Howard in some respect. Uh, the Hawks, I wonder if they would like him. I probably would not do that because I don't know what actual asset I feel like I'm getting. It's fair enough. I mean, look, we've talked a lot about not loving Jed Howard on the show. Uh, I mean, yeah, but like Chumo Kiki is expiring at the end of the year. So like that doesn't really line up. Like Jet to me is the one that lines up the best uh maybe it is but like i don't think you want to give up i mean maybe it's like this 2025 denver first but like giving up both jet howard and a first even if it is going to be a late first because that feels like 
Yeah, because from me, from the Magic's perspective, now you're giving up a first round pick plus a lottery pick. I mean, that's two real first round picks for Bogdan. Even if you like take the second round picks out and all of that, now it seems like if I'm the Magic, I feel like I'm giving up too much because, like you said, obviously if I'm Orlando, yeah, this, I like this is too much to me. Like, yeah, because they obviously felt a certain way about Jet Howard to take him where they did. I mean, yeah. just because I disagree doesn't mean, I mean, that doesn't change obviously anything about how they feel about him. I mean, well, here's, here's the fun one. So like you and I think AJ Griffin is good, right? I like, yeah. I mean, what if you did something like this where it's, you're giving up, all of this pick capital you're giving up Markel Fultz, Jet Howard, that Denver first, and then three seconds for Bogdanovich and AJ Griffin. If we think the Hawks don't want AJ Griffin, I wouldn't do, I want to be clear about this. I would not do this if I was the Hawks. Yeah. But like if the idea is that they're not, they're not playing AJ Griffin for some reason um, and don't really aren't enthused. Let's go with, AJ Griffin is a shooter, makes some sense off the for the Magic, at least as a bench player, while they figure out, you know, what to do with him long term. Uh, that's one that, like, you know, if you're adding two things, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I would not do that because I like AJ Griffin and. I like Kobe Bufkin, and I think that's part of my like reservations with Jet too. Is like I would just rather prioritize getting minutes for Griffin and Bufkin than bringing Jet Howard in and feeling like I had to try to get him minutes too. Yeah, and to be clear, like AJ Griffin is like not being great this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I, it, it. I think it's just based off what I think about him as a a shooter. But again, I could be completely wrong. Yeah, so like maybe AJ Griffin is your you know, kind of combo breaker for something like this. Like I, I, I think AJ Griffin is better than Jet Howard. So like, I, I would just rather have AJ. Uh, and then you're basically doing three seconds in a first for Bogdan, but that doesn't re- like, I, I don't even think that lines up to me. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, it, I mean, the, the three second, three firsts or one first in three seconds for Bogdan, I think is pretty close in terms of what the value is. It seems like I would bet the Hawks would want more. And I don't know if the magic would be willing to give up like everything for Bogdan. So can you use AJ Griffin as like the combo breaker is my yeah, question. Yeah. 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 No, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. The gridlock breaker maybe is the better. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. Like I think AJ Griffin is an interesting basketball player, but uh, I don't know that the Hawks seem to agree on that. Um, well, which raises just, questions as well. Well, I uh, say like that just shows you how hard it is to come up with these trades and why it takes a yeah. while to get to them because it's all about value, right? I mean, you and I—I I don't want to put words in you. Like for me, there's not a ton of value in Jet Howard, even though he was just a lottery pick. So the difference in value of Jet Howard between me as an opposing team and the Orlando Magic and how they value is 
insanely different because they just spent a lottery pick on him. And for me, I'm like, that, that's kind of like a second round pick. You know, if, if you, if you sent me a second round draft pick, I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on jet Howard right now. Like that's just kind of how I felt about him as a player. And, and I hope he proves me yeah. wrong, but you can see why that sometimes these things are really hard to come together because the value of what a guy is to his own team compared to another team compared to a team in a different yeah. situation. It's all over the place. It really is. It's really, really hard. Uh, we've talked a lot about the magic the, or the uh, Hawks though. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Uh, while you're here, by the way, if you're watching this live on YouTube, hit that like button, do us a favor, please. It'll help us. It'll help get the reach of the channel out there. That'd be great. Uh, as damn it, 81 says, Adrian Griffin Jr. and Sr. both down bad. <laughs> seems that way uh, based off of the last couple of weeks. Uh, definitely seems that way. Let's go to the Hornets now. I think the Hornets are, now that they've moved Terry Rozier, they've moved into a different scenario, it seems like, where they're going to move some guys. The deal that I came up with last week was something like, you know, the Hornets had interest in Grant Williams over the summer. It seems like they're, you know, potentially moving somebody like PJ Washington as well, looking to move him. Could you do something like Gordon Hayward for Grant Williams, uh, one of the Magic's young players, and take on the Rashawn Holmes deal? Yeah, and I think you had, for, you had Omax, yeah, right? Like you said, you, you said uh, Grant Williams, Omax, I, I, and Holmes. Yeah, like I, I didn't necessarily mean it specifically as Omax. I just kind of meant it as like, hey, may, maybe it's Jaden Hardy, right? Like maybe that's the that that's the guy that makes more sense in this regard, right? But the idea is more move off of long term money if you're Dallas, and if you're Charlotte, get a guy that you apparently had interest in, according to Mike Scotto, over the summer. And get a younger guard that's interesting in Jaden Hardy who can get buckets like that could be your Terry Rozier long term replacement kind of like does does that something something like that line up? Well, if I'm the Hornets, I think I would rather have Hardy than Omax if I'm the Hornets and I really like Omax. I've said this for a while. I think he's gonna be a really good player. I think Jaden Hardy has a potential higher ceiling just because I think he could be a guy, like you said, like a Terry Rozier or whoever, that just goes and gets a bunch of buckets playing off of LaMelo Ball, where if Omax comes in, there's not even an immediate path to... I mean, there's playing time, but depending on what they do with Miles Bridges, like there may not even be a starting spot for who knows how long, and I, I don't know what that's going to be. But I think I would probably... If I was the Hornets, I would probably ask for Jaden Hardy. Yeah, like this, look, I'd rather have Omax. I'd rather just have the good defender who's on a better, longer-term uh, cost-controlled deal. But, like, something like this where, you know, look, the Mavericks are adding $5 million to their sheet, so, like, maybe they have to throw in, like, another guy, something like that. Um, but the Grant Williams deal is not working out as well as they would have hoped. So you get off of that early. You make a decision to be like, hey, maybe this will work out long term, but we get a mulligan on that basically. Or we maybe try and retain Gordon Hayward long term. We get off the Rashawn Holmes deal that we took last year in order to buy the Omax Prosper pick, essentially. And then we get a flyer on Hardy. Like that, that to me is something that you can 
come together with. And there are other deals. We'll talk about other deals for Hayward. I think Hayward is probably the guy on the Hornets that I bet more teams call on than anybody else. Uh, maybe PJ Washington, but I, I would bet that they get more calls on Hayward because his game just fits on the ball. It fits off the ball. There are a few different ways you can utilize him. If I added Nick Richards to the outgoing, what do the Mavericks have to add? If you added Nick Richards to the outgoing, so we're sending Nick Richards to the Mavericks, you'd have to add like uh, something like this. And I mean, you'd have to do like, I mean, this makes the money a little bit more equal to be honest, uh, but that's still that's a not lot. like, I don't know if you want to add five guys. Yeah. That's guys a lot of this Hornets that, team. That's, that's, that's a lot of players. That doesn't make okay. sense to me. Okay. Um, I just, I was trying to get the Mavericks a backup bigger, you know, a backup center while we were doing, I, 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 I kind of like Nick Richards. Um, and so, I think Nick Richards is like a good league average backup guard or backup center. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. So I just thought maybe him, you know, you send him along to back up Derek lively. I, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, that's, it, that's it's interesting. It's just hard to make the money work. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is already Dallas taking on five million this year to get off of you know twenty four million next year, right? Twenty six yeah. million next year. Uh, I, I feel like this is a idea. good return for the Hornets for Gordon. Like, I, and to be clear, I I have I think Gordon Hayward is and seriously, if you're if you're Dallas here, this is a great idea for you. Because yeah, I, he makes sense there for sure. You are almost entirely restarting your books. Uh, you come very, very close to like restarting your books around Luca and Kyrie and some of the other younger guys. Uh, you look at what they'd have long term. Like they'd have one more year of Tim Hardaway Jr. You could figure that out. They'd have one more year or uh, one or two of Maxi. I can't remember if that last year's uh, non guaranteed or not, but you would be clearing your books in such a substantial way to be able to try and improve your roster over the summer again. Uh, th- this this lines up a lot of ways for me. This lines up a lot of ways for me. The the other move for Hayward, because we've talked about this one enough, like I don't know that I need to like really uh, talk a ton about that again. The other thing that really lines up for Hayward is Philly, I think. Uh, if you did Philly... You could do something like Hayward to the 76ers for expiring money. You know, you can do the Covington and Marcus Morris deals and then whatever you think is right pick value wise in terms of second rounders. I don't think they'll move a first for him, but the idea of them taking on longer term money is a little bit more interesting, I think. Yeah. Again, I, I think just to real quick to go back to Dallas, I was just trying to put together kind of their rotation with obviously Luke and Kyrie, but then you add, I mean, you have Josh Green, Derek Jones Jr. is playing well, Dante Exum has played well, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been getting buckets off the bench, and then you add Gordon Hayward to like that wing forward mix with Derek Lively in the middle. Like that's a really, really interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously with Philly as well, I think it's really interesting, right? Like I know someone says here that the Hornets would need more than some of that. I, I just, I feel like we were talking about Hayward as a buyout candidate. Now you're talking about getting, I I don't know if I want to say real assets, but like Jaden Hardy, something Grant Williams and, doesn't suck. Yeah. Like, like the key is remembering that like, whatever we think of Grant Williams, the Hornets reportedly yeah. at least 
liked him over the summer and had some interest in him. So maybe that was contingent upon them moving PJ Washington or not having PJ Washington, but it kind of ticks a lot of boxes across both organizations. If the Hornets still have interest in Grant Williams. Well, and then if it's Jaden Hardy again, like I, I think whether Jaden Hardy or Omax, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, some people would lean one, some people would lean the other. And I can see both sides of it. hundred percent. You either get Omax of another versatile wing forward to add to the mix that we know NBA teams are always looking for. So I obviously understand the argument for that or Jaden Hardy, who, has been able to score the basketball a little bit. You take a flyer on that and and whichever one you think makes more sense for the Hornets, you can talk me into. So I I think I tend to lean towards that's a pretty good return for the Hornets. And then, like we said, a really nice fit for the Mavericks with Gordon Hayward. So um, yeah, he's one that's going to be really interesting. I think that you can make a real case for that. Uh, I'm trying to think of like other teams for Gordon that make a little bit of sense. I think that you could probably look at, you know, maybe the heat, but the heat get a little bit tougher because they moved the Kyle Lowry deal already. Uh, the warriors, like if the warriors, th- this is the one to be honest, like if the war, cause a Gordon Hayward makes a ton of sense with the warriors, just in terms of his intelligence, the way he plays, the way he moves off the ball, the way he plays on the ball, like, this is this is the construction where you can go, okay, what are we adding here? If they're willing to take on Andrew Wiggins, like if the Hornets were willing to take on Andrew Wiggins and take that money, you get Gordon Hayward, who replaces a lot of what Wiggins brings already, not defensively, but is much better offensively. Like, are you willing to add a Moses Moody? Are you willing to add like a couple of picks like this deal. So that's what I was going to say is I, I think if you're the Hornets, you want Moses Moody, right? Cause they're not moving. Kaminga has been playing too well. They're, they're not, not moving Kaminga. Yeah. yeah. Like he, move he, for that. he's been awesome, especially lately. And they seemed, they seem to have bought into Kaminga is a good basketball player. Um, so if I'm the Hornets, I would want Moody We've talked about the Wiggins contract at length. Yeah. Like that construction works. You could do like this Atlanta 2026 first rounder or second rounder, which, you know, might be kind of okay. Like they have two Hornets second rounders, which I don't know, man. Like (laughs) those could be okay based off of where the, or the Hawks, I'm sorry. They have two Hawks second rounders. Maybe those are okay, but to get off of the Wiggins deal, you do something like Moody. You have to add Guy Santos to make the money work. And then a couple of seconds, like that's, that's not a bad deal for golden state. If you're getting off that Wiggins deal, that Wiggins deal has potential to be like catastrophic for them moving forward because how many years is there four it's four guaranteed three after this one yeah yeah i that's a lot of years and look wiggins has played a little bit better in their last six games he has, he's yeah. added 15 five three assists shooting 51 36 73 but i mean even just before those six like it was 
it was rough sledding over the previous 15 when he averaged 10 points on 39, 34, 83. I love, I love Hayward for the Warriors. I feel like with the Hornets, I'm willing to roll the dice here. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't for what it's worth. Uh, this is not a deal I would do if I was the Hornets, but uh, I, I think that the Dallas deal makes more sense than this. Well, yeah, I would do the Dallas. I think the Dallas deal makes the most sense. I just, I just can't quit the, like, I, I can't buy into, and I should, I realize I should, that Wiggins is going to be this bad. Like, I just can't. And I yeah. know, I know I should just believe it because my eyes and the proof is there. I just feel like he's he's gonna be he's gonna figure it out. Like, and I have I don't know I don't, I don't have any ground to stand on. I guess with that, so people can just call me crazy. But if I have any sniff that he could be a halfway decent player again, I think Moses Moody's a good basketball player, and you get a couple seconds also. I mean, I think then another thing I even realized this when I talk about Pistons and like I cover the, obviously the Pistons exclusively every game, all of that. I always. Sometimes I lose a little bit of track of the long-term ramifications of the South. You know, like, okay, if you take on the Wiggins deal, how much does that hamper what the Hornets can do moving forward, right? Because that's really what this is about. Those four it, more in years. In their case, yeah, it depends on what else they decide to yes. do. Yes, yes. Do they decide to take on longer-term money if they move P.J. Washington? Do they decide to take on longer-term money if they move – Miles Bridges. Like yes. it depends on what else they do. Uh the the deal for Bridges, and like I don't want to spend a lot of time on Miles Bridges for very obvious reasons, but like the Suns make the most sense for Miles Bridges to me. They need a four man. Uh Nasir Little and a minimum, call it Damian Lee. You can do that for Miles Bridges, and then I, I don't think they're getting a first round pick for Miles Bridges. So Hornets fans should very much be prepared for that reality, but you can do, you know, this 2026 second and this 2028 second from Memphis and do something like this, where it's the Nasir little deal, Damian Lee in two seconds for miles bridges. Uh, I would just be happy to get miles bridges off of my roster personally. And you take the flyer that Nasir little, you know, going back to North Carolina area, maybe he, you know, bring something to the table that allows him to be a good player. Uh, regulator says Bridges would veto that. I would be stunned if Miles Bridges vetoed a deal to Phoenix. You know, Matt Ishbia and he have the Michigan State connection. I would imagine that there will be some, uh, you know, you, you could figure out beforehand, let's call it, if that's going to be a vetoable deal. And on top of it, uh, on top of it, you're going from the Hornets to the Suns and you're a free agent in the offseason anyway. Like, why yeah. would you turn that down? Um, yeah, like, look, I, I don't know. I wouldn't trade for Miles Bridges, to be clear. Uh, if you wanted to do something fun as well, you could throw Nick Richards into this. I think they can probably get more for Nick Richards by himself. Uh, the Suns have a $6.5 million trade exception that they've created for uh, the campaign deal this past year when they traded him. So yeah, I think that that's one that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
what what are the hornets moving into i I guess maybe that's where i need to like are they going full rebuilds with everybody i mean because you look at their books it's really Lamelo is you know he's about to enter the you know his his extension and all of that yeah like where are they headed with this thing yeah they want to rebuild around Lamelo, brandon miller mark williams they're going to get another player in this year's draft be it you know Alex Sar, uh, Zach Rizache, like, you know, Cody Williams, Cody Williams would actually be like an interesting, like rim pressure guy next to, uh, Brandon Miller's like perimeter jump shooting game. I think that could be fun. Uh, Rizache is like a great spot shooter who can really defend, uh, on the weak side, I think would be really fun with these guys. They, they line up to get like another really interesting player. So yeah, no, I, I think that it's really good. I guess my point was then I don't I don't worry quite as much about the Wiggins bad money then. Like I don't think it crushes your flex by the time that salary cap becomes an issue isn't he close to becoming an expiring where you could easily get off of him? So like you're taking a flyer on a guy we've seen be great at the highest level who's lost it for whatever reason, but could, right? There's there's a non-zero chance to steal your phrase that Andrew Wiggins could find sure. to be to be He's good at found basketball. It before. Yes. And Moses Moody, who I think we both think is good at basketball and just hasn't found his footing, and two second round picks. Again, I'm not saying I would take it over the Mavs. I'm just saying for Gordon Hayward. I don't dislike that deal whenever you're thinking about where they're moving into as an organization. Shout out to D rock for the super chat over yeah. here on YouTube. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Just came from Barclays. Ben looks great. Hopefully he'll stay healthy. Sean Mark's getting to Jonte Murray. We talked about that at the top of the show, D rock. So if you rewind, we talked a little bit about the fact that they can, you know, outbid anybody if they want to for Jonte. Wendell Carter jr. Is an interesting one. For them, I don't know what the Magic are going to do with Wendell. My guess is that they keep him, yeah. given how cheap the deal is, and given the uncertainty around Goga Batadze. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent. They have moved back to Wendell Carter being in their starting lineup recently. So I'm going to assume that Wendell Carter isn't quite off the market entirely but I think it would be unlikely for him to be moved since he's been back from his little injury spell. He's played seven games. He's averaging 16.6.7 rebounds, shooting 66% from the field, 47% from three. Uh, Look, I I think Wendell is a great player. I don't think the Nets will end up being able to get him though. Uh, D-Rock, just real quick. I just mentioned... I'll give you the short DeJounte Murray, I think would be, I would love to see him in Brooklyn because I think we could see what the potential best version of DeJounte Murray is. So just from that perspective, I would love to see him with the Nets. I don't know if that means it will happen or won't happen or if the Nets are interested just from that perspective and that angle alone, I think adding him to the Nets, you, we would find out how good can he be on the ball and those, those type of things. So I would be really interested to see that. The other thing regulator says is Hornets need some vet leaders. Just not sure who fits that criteria. Honestly, I think another option for them, and I don't know if Hornets fans will love to hear this. I think another option for them is keeping Gordon Hayward. Sure. Uh, He is a veteran. He, from what I know, and you know, people around that team more than I am will be able to answer this, but like Gordon is like a low key guy. 
Uh, he's not, you know, a rah, rah, like, you know, get him up like around and like, he's not going to like yell at somebody or anything like that. But from what I know, he's been like a really good guy to have around in their locker room. So especially like a, like, it's been good to have like normal human beings, like in that locker room. So, uh, Hayward's an interesting one. I'll be interested to see what the Hornets do with him. The other guy for the Hornets uh, is PJ Washington. Look, PJ Washington is on a cheap, you know, about $16 million deal. Descending. It's descending as well. He's going to get cheaper for the team that would be interested in him. I don't really know that I have like a great team for him, but I think that there are a lot of, teams that do line up i think that the one that just immediately jumped out to me was cleveland more than anything yeah i like pj washington and he had like 43 the other night just went crazy from three um he seems like a quality forward in the nba Uh, you know he provides floor spacing maybe a starter i think he's a really good backup for if nothing else I mean, maybe not the best defender. I've watched a lot of games and just watch him make a little like floater over and over and over out of the short roll. I think PJ Washington's a really good player. I mean, in 25, 26, whenever he's 27 years old, that's probably going to be the MLE. Like he'll be making the MLE or or maybe yep. less with the way the salary cap is going up. So it's a great contract for a good player. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what his market would be. And, you know, he's a guy, honestly, for like Detroit that I've thought, man, it'd be nice to get him in and just because he can space the floor from that forward, you know, forward position. I I like the idea of that, especially on that contract. So um, the team that I liked here was the Kings. Um, I know he doesn't help things defensively for them. I get it. But um, a little bit. I think he does in certain respects, like you can use him as like a smaller five if sure. the bonus gets in foul trouble like i yeah. think he'd be an upgrade on like the trey lyles ideas of like they had to go trey lyles minutes like yeah more often than you would love to see maybe in the yeah. playoffs last year sure. uh no, no disrespect to trey trey turned into like a really useful player i just think pj is a little bit of a level above uh again though like it's hard to figure out like who the name is that makes sense for Charlotte there, I don't like may- maybe it is Kevin Herter, but like you just do like a challenge trade of Kevin Herter for PJ Washington, just saying like, hey, these two guys are better in those situations. But I, I think that they could probably get a first. I mean, maybe you do like Harrison Barnes and a first for PJ Washington. Basically, who is the team that's going to give up a first for PJ Washington? Because the Cavs don't have one to give up. Uh, the Nuggets don't really have the salary mechanisms to be able to do it. The Timberwolves are pretty set across the front line. I don't think he seems like a Thunder guy, in my opinion. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. The Pelicans, I mean, they just like, you're not going to do like him and Zion. Like again, Dallas maybe like does line up here in an interesting way. What if it's just like PJ Washington for Grant Williams and something? Why, why, why does Charlotte not just keep, I mean, we're talking about this player. Yeah, that, who... That's the thing. Like, 
they don't have to move him. Yeah. That's the biggest thing here. They absolutely don't have to move him. If and they if move you... him, that's one thing. But they can be patient here. They don't have to take whatever's out there. And I don't know that there's a great deal for him out there right now. And if you do move on from Bridges, like to me, he just slides right into the starting four and you rock with, yeah. you know, Ball, whoever at the two, Brandon Miller, Washington, Mark Williams, and, you know, or, or and maybe he slides yeah. back, maybe he slides back to the second unit, depending on who you take in the draft. Right. So um, that could change. But t- to me, like I, if I'm Charlotte, I'm definitely not moving him for peanuts. You know, like I, I would. No, I, I think I would want. Something. Yeah, I would want the premium in terms of what PJ Washington could pull on the market. Whatever the premium is for PJ, I'm not saying in general. I'm just saying for PJ Washington, I would want a hundred percent of his value. So here, here is my final kind of idea for PJ Washington: if the Bucks are willing to move Bobby Portis, do you think that PJ Washington makes a little bit more sense for them than Bobby Portis? to where he would be an upgrade and they could do something like Bobby Portis, you know, Marjan Beauchamp and like picks or something like that. Like they have a couple of seconds that you could do. I, I don't, I don't think so. Like I think actually, you, you know what they could do is they, I keep forgetting the bucks have that Portland second rounder this year. So you could do, is this up on the screen? No. Um, keep talking. Sorry. I cut you off. No, I was just gonna say, like, I, I'm not as quick to move Bobby Portis as others seem to be. Yeah. In terms of like, I, I just think, I think he's still a quality player and I don't know, maybe, maybe I believe in chemistry and stuff like that a little bit too much. It just, it feels like the whole Portis Giannis Lopez thing just works. And I don't know that I would mess with that. Like if I mess with anything in Milwaukee, I'm not sure that's what I'm messing with. It's probably something a little bit more on the wings, like the two, three position, that type of stuff. I don't know that I'm looking for an upgrade with the front line. That That's just me. Like, I, I think I would, I think I'm comfortable with those guys. Um, it would be more on the wing, maybe backcourt depth. Yeah. I think that, uh, I, I don't love like I like the idea of PJ Washington there. I just don't know that they have the easiest mechanism to do it. Sure, is kind of where I'm at. Uh, I think I would keep PJ Washington if I was the Hornets for a I minute would, here. I would. I'd too. move Hayward. I'd move Bridges. If somebody gave me a real offer for Nick Richards that had like a good second round pick or two, I'd do it. Uh, other than that, I think I'd keep him. Shout out to Darren Flowers for the super chat uh, in the YouTube channel. The Spurs trading for Dejounte Murray make any sense? Question mark. Maybe, but like I would probably just rather be patient as opposed to like I think guys are going to really want to play with Victor Wembanyama. Well, and here's the other uh, like, wh- what if Nikola Topic falls into your lap in the draft, and then you fall yeah. right into this same situation that we're talking about with Murray and everybody else, right? Or if you're the Spurs, do you wait to see if Trey Young comes available? And then sure. you give your assets for Trey Young as opposed to Dejounte. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I think the Spurs should be patient. I like Dejounte Murray. I think the Spurs should be looking for a superstar if they're giving up assets, not like a borderline All Star kind of guy. I, I don't 
think that DeJounte makes a ton of sense for the Spurs personally. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I I agree with that. Um somebody brought up the Knicks for PJ Washington. D Rock did actually. That's okay. an intriguing one. Yeah. Uh, offensive bunch. You know, the, the thing is that I still think Tibbs would play Josh Hart over him. Yeah. So like I, I I don't know if that totally PJ doesn't up. seem like a guy that's gonna get a lot of minutes in New York. I don't think so necessarily. Uh I was going to say Nick Richards just to help balance out the five position until everything gets healthy and he doesn't make that much money. And so yeah, it's and like Nick, Nick Richards is a great fit for a lot of different teams. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Nick Richards, though, let's go to the Wizards now because the Wizards have a lot of names, too. Uh, who do you want to start with on the Wizards? Because they're kind of actually no, 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 no. Time out. Time out. If we're going to go to the Knicks. Let's do the Knicks. Because okay. they have Quentin Grimes. Yep. And Quentin Grimes to me is incredibly like if they are willing to move him, like there are a lot of teams that should give up a first round pick for Quentin Grimes. Yeah, I mean, Quentin Grimes is really good. Um, or I think he's really good. I guess you can look at some numbers and and say that he's not. He guards. I think he can really shoot it. So he's like this two way guard that I think makes a lot of sense. And so. Um, I, I know you've listed a bunch of different teams here. It, it, the Bucks are the one that stand out to me. I don't know if there's a way for them to make that happen, but he seems like a guy that would make a lot of sense in terms of the things I feel like I've been critical of the Bucks, you know, not having or whatever, you know, like or what they need. So that was the team out of the ones that we have listed here that probably stood out the most to me. So. If you're going to do it that way, the thing with Quentin Grimes is he makes $2.3 million. So literally every team in the league is a potential option here. Would you do Marjan Beauchamp and the Portland second rounder this year? So like 35 or whatever for Quentin Grimes. I mean, they're not even playing Marjan. So I feel like I have to say yes. I would definitely do it if I was the Bucks. I would not do it if I was the Knicks. Yeah. I think you're going to do better than that deal. I, it comes down to, again, like, why is he not playing in New York, though? Like, why don't they just play him? They Because Tibbs doesn't like to play him and Dante together. Uh, they also have Josh Hart, who's like a guy that guards, you know, two through four, kind of like Quentin does. Dante guards one through three. They have Jalen Brunson as well, obviously. Now they have Ananobi. I think that I would play Quentin Grimes. If I was in Tom Thibodeau's shoes, I would play Quentin Grimes. I think that you can make a case for understanding why he doesn't play him because there are a lot of overlapping skill sets there that you can say work, you know, without Quentin Grimes on the court. Uh, I would not do this if I was the Knicks. I think they can do better than those assets. Uh, the problem is, literally, again, every team can get involved here. It, like, if you're the Celtics, you give up pick 30 and, you know, whatever the salary matching is in a heartbeat for Quentin yeah. Grimes. Uh, if you're the Cavaliers, by the way, the Cavs, th this is a guy that they should really go after. They just don't really have the assets to do so. I don't think 
This, uh, this is the Jay Sean Tate conversation we've had, Sam, but like on steroids, right? Like we talked about yeah. Jay Sean Tate and like maybe he gets traded for something that he's maybe not really worth, but he falls into a salary situation that a team can actually acquire him in that situation. We were talking about the Celtics. Grimes makes such low money and is a two-way perimeter player that his value almost skyrockets because all of these contenders could actually make it happen depending on their draft capital of course but so many of them can get involved that you truly could get in a bidding you know the Knicks could get a bidding war you know two or three teams that are truly trying to get in on him stop get that off my screen so I put on the screen Jet Howard for Quentin Grimes oh sorry basically you you restart the contract clock is the idea here if you like Quentin or if you like Jet Howard uh, I don't think Jed Howard is a tips guy, to be clear, but Jed Howard is a CAA guy. I'd rather have Marshawn in the 31st pick, 33rd pick. I should be more respectful I, of where the Blazers are going to finish. I think I probably would, too, for what it's worth. Uh, would you do Jet Howard in like three seconds for Quentin Grimes? As opposed to... No, no. I mean, like, for, like you said... For what it's worth, like if I'm the Magic, I think Quentin makes sense. I, I also think i would want a little bit more offensive punch than what quentin brings you yeah it doesn't he doesn't do exactly what you kind of were talking about earlier whenever we were speaking directly about the magic uh i haven't really thought about the nuggets at all this so i was gonna bring up the nuggets because i'm like okay we can't talk about the nuggets because they can't trade for anybody but this is a guy they could actually get in on right i mean they have to have something so like you could do Julian Straw there in like a 2024 second. And that works financially. And that gives them cover if KCP gets hurt. It's kind of an interesting one. Also, like they don't, the, the thing is that like the Nuggets have this trade exception that they can use uh, to acquire somebody like Quentin Grimes. I, they just don't have the pick capital to like only do that. You would need something there. Uh, and to me, like, look, I, I think Christian Brown's a little bit too valuable, but like, and I think Peyton Watson, frankly, is a little bit too valuable, but like yeah. Julian Strother and like, what if you did like Julian Strother and Jalen Pickett in a second? Like, I mean, and you get again, a guy that I think is like starting quality. This goes back to the heart of what we talked about though, like all of these names we're bringing up and we're going, is Tibbs going to play any of these guys? Like at the end of the day, if you're going to trade Quentin Grimes, you want to get something of value. And like, I like Julian Strother. We've talked a lot about Julian Strother earlier in the season. He just doesn't seem like a guy that Tibbs is going to play a bunch, you know? And so Christian Brown does, but then that almost seems like a lateral move. Grimes is better. Grimes is a better floor spacer. Yeah. Brown cuts really well, but you're trading, you know, a six eight guy for a six five guy. Um yeah, I don't know. So Chris Hughes in the comments brings up what about Grimes to Houston? Uh sure, I'm for it. What's the asset going the other way? Like I mean, like is the idea maybe Jay Sean Tate? for Grimes and you know Jay Sean Tate and picks yeah for Grimes and something else but like 
again, the Houston picks, I think, are too valuable. Like they have the 2024 Brooklyn pick. That's probably a lottery pick. They have the 2025, I believe it's like, I forget who gets the Brooklyn pick. I believe that Houston, I can't remember if Houston or OKC gets the Brooklyn pick in 2025. And then Houston also has its own pick in 2025. And then they have a 2026 Brooklyn pick as well. Maybe like a 2025, like protected first for Quentin Grimes. Like, but I, I don't know if I do that if I'm Houston, because I think I probably need to keep my books a little bit clear. Uh, Grimes is a hard one because if I'm the Knicks, like I'm using, I, I would almost rather attach Quentin Grimes to the, Fournier deal and say like I'm going you know for something that can really make a difference and I wonder for them and this would require Tibbs to play this guy consistently and this is something that positionally I don't know that makes like crazy sense given the moves that they made could you do something like Yvonne Fournier Quentin Grimes for Boyan Bogdanovich to the Knicks I, the, Grimes is a name we've talked about um, just as like Pistons content creators and like just because he's a guy that can really defend and space the floor. So I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, I like that. And if you're what we're talking about, Grimes is value. I feel like that's probably about as good as you can get for Boyan at this point at his age. Um, so I think that's good value from the Pistons perspective. Would Boyan play for the Knicks? So what do we think the Knicks, this is what it comes down to, right? And on whether or not this is worthwhile for the Knicks. Their closing lineup would be something like Brunson, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle. Um, and then you have two bodies, right? Could it be Dante and Boyan? Could it be Josh Hart and Boyan? Could it be uh, Josh Hart and Dante? Like there, there are just a lot of tricky elements there, I think. But you have six guys then that kind of work well in conjunction with one another, plus Hartenstein at the center position. I think if you play, if you're planning on playing Hartenstein and never going small, and Tibbs for whatever reason seems to have an aversion to playing Randall at the five it becomes a lot harder to do this because then you're talking Brunson, Randall, Ananobi, Hartenstein, and then one of Josh Hart, Dante, or Boyan. What I like about this, though, is this kind of replaces the scoring punch, completely different player. But Boyan off the bench is, I mean, that's a big-time score off the bench. I also have a feeling it's it's not going to be Boyan five years ago, much like we've talked about with OG, with DeJounte, I think Boyan's probably going to be better if he does get traded to a team defensively. Like, I think he, th- there's enough there um, just with his size and his He, he strength. was okay in Indiana. Like, he yeah. really was. Like, he was yeah. capable of dealing with, like, bigger matchups at a reasonable level. Yeah, like, he's not going to chase around whoever guys running off screens, but he's big enough, strong enough, smart enough, all of that. 
and, and would be motivated enough playing on a winning team and probably just a juice of energy after having played for the Pistons for as long as he has, that I think he's probably going to be a little bit better, to, uh, quite a bit better defensively than what he's been in Detroit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if they're truly not going to play Quentin Grimes, Bo- like somebody like Boyan comes in, professional bucket he's an expiring essentially two million guaranteed next year if you want to get off of the contract or he's 20 million if if you want to keep him and they they would keep that deal in order to have an expiring for a trade there you go and so that makes sense um and again from detroit's perspective i i think this is probably about as good a return as you would want for Boyan if it's not picks I don't mind this at all for, I think this is fine for Detroit. I don't know. I just don't know if the Knicks would do this because I don't know if the Knicks would feel like Tibbs would play boy on and get the immense value that he could provide as like a role player kind of yep. thing. Yep. Uh, the other guys that you could theoretically come up with, uh, could you do, I mean, this this is actually, this is the one that makes the most sense. This is me just being stupid uh, that I didn't think of this ahead of time. Yvonne Fournier and Quentin Grimes, plus maybe like a pick for Bogdan Bogdanovich. They could do, the, the Knicks could even add like the Dallas first round pick or something here and then get like a couple of seconds back or something where like you get, I'm just like trying to think off the top of my head here. Like, could you do something like this where it's Bogdan Bogdanovich in a 2025 second for Fournier, Quentin Grimes and the Dallas pick. That's like probably in the twenties this year. No, I mean, this is what I'm talking about earlier as we talked through the Hawks guys and we talked through all this stuff on DeJounte Murray. And then you realize like maybe Bogdan is the guy that actually makes the most sense for a lot of teams. I mean, oh, he does. Definitely does, I think. Like, the, here's the other thing that's fun about this, too. The Hawks, I thought, um, and maybe I'm losing my mind here, I thought I remembered that there were reports, and I'm not reporting this myself, to be clear. I thought I remembered there being reports that the Hawks wanted Quentin Grimes originally in the deal that saw Reddish go to the Knicks. Am I losing my mind there? Uh, I do not have a recollection of that necessarily one way or the other. So I do not want to. So there was a report according to, let's see here. According to Ian Begley from SNY, The Hawks originally targeted Quentin Grimes. However, some within the Knicks front office were opposed to moving Grimes and the team ultimately decided to move Knox, Kevin Knox instead of Quentin Grimes in that deal. So the Hawks theoretically, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not still the case like Quentin Grimes. And he makes sense next to Trey, right? Like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think he makes an immense amount of sense next to Trey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, maybe it's maybe that's it. Like, maybe that's the Bogdan move. 
maybe it's bogged on for Quentin Grimes and Fournier and then like picks going each way. Yeah. What's the difference in value between Boyan Bogdan? Bogdan is a little bit younger and he is signed longer term to a cheap deal. Uh, and frankly, they've both been like pretty good in the playoffs, but Bogdan's success, I think, is uh, a little bit higher. Uh, and shout out to Regulator. Hit the like button. That's great. That's fantastic. While you're here, even, even, us, hit that like he, button. he even ratioed it for us. <laughs> 100, people it. Wa- 100 people watching, only six likes. There, for what it's worth, there are more than that. I can see on the back end. I appreciate you guys for liking the video. Um, but uh, Boyan is a little bit bigger. Yes, Boyan is like six foot eight. Bogdan yeah. is like six six. Bogdan's a little bit longer. Bogdan is like six eleven wingspan. Uh, weirdly, so uh, that is a factor as well. Um, okay, we haven't gotten to the Pistons really yet. Let's talk about the Pistons now. What are okay. you looking for in a Boyan deal? Um, one real asset. I mean, I feel like that's the, I'm trying to be realistic here. Um, you know, it was frustrating. You want one, not two. I I think, what did you ask me? What I'm expecting or what I want? If you were Troy Weaver, put your Troy Weaver hat on for a second. You know, let's, let's go, let's go weave. Uh, Let's go dream weave a little bit here. If you are Troy Weaver, what would you like in return in order to move Bogdan or Boyan? What would be your, if it came down to noon on February 8th, what would be your breaking point where I'm moving him for this? I have this on the table. This is my move. Yeah. So I think I'm look. yeah, like two real assets would be crazy. I personally think that ship has sailed, but maybe that's me trying to over like overgo and not overvalue the players on the team. I watch night in and night out. I think realistically like one and a half real assets, right? So like, however, mm-hmm. you know, a real prospect and a late first round or early second round pick, right? Something like that. I've been trying to reconcile whether Boyan makes sense for this team for another year. And if I said like, oh, if I don't get one and a half real assets, I'm just going to keep him, right? Or, yeah. or do keep I him just, into the offseason. Yeah, keep him and into the offseason. that non-guaranteed deal and trade him then. Yeah, exercise that or however that works. $20 million on the books for next year. Now he's truly an expiring and, and make that happen. So... I wouldn't go let like I want at least one real asset, like a real first round pick or a real young prospect or someone that fits the timeline. If I don't, if I don't get that, then I'm definitely. So I think kind of my breaking point is somewhere between one and one and a half. Okay. Is there a team? Because you've looked at this just more than I have. I'm cognizant of that. Is there a team that you look at as the one that makes the most sense. No, I mean, like I say, the Grimes one is the one that I've kind of come around on the most in terms of like, I, I like adding that specific player to this roster. I feel like the Lakers are always a team that gets brought up because the Lakers always get brought up, but I'm not sure who it is on the Lakers that that would make sense. Um, 
I'm trying to think of other teams that would be in on Boyan. Did you have other teams listed on yours? So Dallas is interesting. Okay, to yeah, me. Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Um, would Can you I get do Omax back in that one? Yeah, I was gonna say, would you do something like Grant Williams and Omax for Boyan? Because that gives you your three-point shooter. You're, you know, more veteran guy who can be a locker room guy, your, uh, you know, physical defender in theory, and it gets you an interesting young prospect. Yeah. And then for Dallas, they get off the OMAX deal and they get boy on for another year if they want, or they can move boy on, you know, there are some options there. Grant, Grant Williams was a guy we talked about all off season, right? Whenever all of that was going on. And I kind of like a Grant Williams, Jalen Dern, Isaiah Stewart, three-man big rotation. So I, I, I don't mind that as a starting point for, for that rotation. And I like Omax. I realized earlier I said for the Hornets that Jaden Hardy would make more sense. For the Pistons, I think Omax makes more, more sense because they need that type of wing forward in their rotation. Like they are – really really missing that type of player so if i would want more than this i think but if this was whatever time on deadline day it makes it makes a lot of sense so i may go with that yeah, I mean, and look, like the Pistons have the ability to potentially take back more bad money from Dallas if Dallas was willing to add more picks, right? Yeah. But as a baseline deal, like you can make something like this lineup in a real way, I think for both teams. Boy on for Grant Williams and Omax. You know, look, I know Dallas fans would be ecstatic to get off that Grant Williams deal. Um, but you'd be giving up the first rounder that you bought using a deal that was basically the same size uh, with Rashawn Holmes, but you'd be getting Boyan, which is useful in its own right. So uh, it's an interesting deal. I, I think that that's something that you can line up across the board and be am, am okay I, with. Am I undervaluing Boyan? Like, again, I, I think I, you're probably, I think your valuation is right based okay. off of the way that Troy Weaver has valued him over the last couple of deadlines, it seems like their valuation is higher than what your valuation is. Yeah. yeah. Right. No. Yeah. No, I, th- listen, I, I was listening to a pod the other day that said that they had two first round picks. Now, first round picks are not created equal. We know this, right. Yeah. And, and they were not specific and did not give the nuance and the details of those first round picks, but there were two first round picks of and multiple deals and one of which had two first round picks for boy on that last deadline and didn't take it. Um, that's, that's that, insane to me. Uh, if that happened, that's agreed. just like completely bonkers to me. Agreed. Cause if you added a first round pick to what you just had up on the screen, I would not have to think twice, you know, like, I, Correct. yes, the, especially where the Pistons are at a first round pick negative right now, you know, like, yes. and, and it's not even about them drafting more players it's about being able to have draft assets to make a bigger move when they need yes. to add the, the the guy or another guy or whatever. Well, so it's not and, it's and not on top of it. And on top of it, the idea of like a Grant Williams 
he doesn't hinder them having max cap space this summer. Like it's only 12 million that you're taking on in future value. So yeah, no, it's, it's a deal that I think you can make a case for both parties lining up with. Um, The guy we haven't really talked about is Bruce Brown. We're going to finish, I think on Bruce Brown and the wizards. And then I want to throw up the deal that would break the internet. I think if that was to happen, um, Bruce Brown, I think, is a guy that makes sense for just a number of different teams, right? The Thunder, I think, could really use a guy like Bruce Brown. The Kings like could it. really use a guy like Bruce Brown. Uh, the 76ers, if you paired him with Tyrese Maxey, I think that would make a ton of sense. Make sure that you always have one of him and DeAnthony Melton and like an awesome player like that out there. Uh, you know, the Lakers, I think, could make a case. They tried to sign him in the offseason and would have apparently if – uh, he didn't get that big deal from the Pacers. The Heat, I think, could still make sense for him. Uh, th- there are just a number of teams that make a ton of sense for Bruce Brown. Is there one of those that really lines up for you? I think he would be a lot of fun on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, I just think he That's would the be one a blast that... because, yeah, just, yeah. He, we know he's good defensively, but I just think the way he plays fits them offensively so much. We, we spent a bunch of time just loving up the Thunder and how they play offensively and dribble pass shoot and five guys being able to do all of it. I just think he makes so much sense with that. And so, and, and quite honestly, this is a move that I think would make sense for the Thunder, right? I, I don't want the Thunder to go big, but I also would like to see them add a little bit of depth. And so, I mean, truly, you can bring him off the bench, and that's a great guy to have off your bench now. The deal I threw up is Davis Bertans, Alexei Pokashevsky, and the Clippers 2024 first-round pick for Bruce Brown. I think Raptors fans would look at that and say, we don't need another 2024 first-rounder. I think it'd be hard to get a future first-rounder for Bruce Brown, just given his weird contractual situation. Uh I think that this is look, this is a cash neutral deal. Bertons is at 17. Poku is at uh five. Bruce Brown makes exactly twenty twenty-two or uh twenty-two million dollars. Uh and then you get this first round pick. Again, like maybe you can consolidate assets at the draft, maybe you can consolidate assets pre-draft uh from a team that wants some depth. This makes a lot of sense to me. Just a, a first round pick and a flyer on Poku for Bruce Brown. Yeah, no, I'm for the Thunder. I definitely do this. Is that the best Bruce Brown? Do you think that's, is that it? Because to me, that's essentially what, like that's one and a quarter assets. You think that that's the best Bruce Brown's going to fetch with this contract and, and all of that? You know, the 76ers, you know, are a team that could do something like this. They could do Bruce Brown for Marcus Morris and Jaden Springer. I don't think the Sixers will give up one of their firsts for Bruce Brown though. Like, I think they want to consolidate those to try and get a star over the summer. So they need to be able to keep those picks. Uh, the Lakers are a team that you can very easily make a case for. Uh, you could do D'Angelo Russell and something maybe like Russell and Christie for Bruce Brown. I, th- I think I'd rather have the OKC deal. I don't think they give up a first for Bruce Brown either, right? I mean, because they only have they only have one left, right? Right now, yeah. 
and swaps. Yeah. And they can swaps. use three. I think they have three this off season if they don't move any uh, right now. Uh, it has to be a deal that like really makes the Lakers better. I think. For well, them so that's what I was going to say is first. like the Lakers are ninth in the West. As much as I love Bruce Brown, is he enough of a needle mover to then you feel like you're in your championship window or, or like yeah. really competing for a championship as opposed to a different move or like, hey, let's not get rid of one of these assets that can really let us go for it. I mean, you can never punt on, an, on a LeBron James season. I get it. But I mean, is a move worth making if it doesn't truly put you back in contender status? So th- this is another one that I think makes sense. Like Yvonne Fournier and Quentin Grimes for Bruce Brown. Uh, Quentin Grimes makes sense next to Scotty Barnes. He makes sense next to Emmanuel quickly, as we've seen previously. Uh, Bruce Brown essentially replaces Quentin Grimes in the rotation for the Knicks. I mean, they get to keep that longer term deal for, you know, a potential salary matching. I'd imagine that Bruce Brown and, CAA would be quite happy with this result. A, it's the Knicks and CAA. B, uh, there'd be a better chance Bruce Brown's deal would be picked up for that second season because they would end up with um, a deal to potentially like salary match in an expiring deal for next year if they went for a star deal. Would you rather have this or the OKC deal? So that's what I was just thinking. Would I rather have Quentin Grimes, and that was the OKC first-round pick this year? Uh, I used the Clippers, but... Oh, the, you, you said the Clippers. The my OKC, bad. My, no, my bad. It, it doesn't it's matter either. Deal, yeah, it's basically, yeah. It's the same way. Late 20s. Yeah, o- OKC also doesn't have its own pick this year. They have like a weird swap situation. Like right now, they have Houston's first-rounder, um, which is you know, somewhere in the 11 to 14 range. Cause Houston is in the lottery or Houston's in the play in right now. Um, they have, I think it's like a swap with like Utah or something like okay. that where they get Utah's pick. If I gotcha. remember correctly. So Grimes or pick 27 and 20. Basically. I, I think I would just take Grimes. I think, I think I would too. Uh, the the value proposition there would be: Would you rather have four cheap years, or would you rather have Quentin Grimes? I think the Raptors would probably rather have Quentin Grimes, but that would be dependent on the Knicks being willing to move Grimes for Brown. I think at the end of the day, if they can't come up with something like a bigger deal, uh, this is something that would line up. I would personally. Here's a question I'll ask you: Would you rather have Bruce Brown or Bogdan Bogdanovich? For who? For the Knicks. Bogdan. I would too. So, Because I'd want the scoring. I would want the scoring. If it's me, I would focus my energy there. And if the Hawks aren't moving Bogdan, this would be an interesting fallback for me. With some of the assets considered as well, right? Because in the Bogdan trade... We then we were bringing a second round pick back to the Knicks, but we were sending out a first, correct? Yeah. So I mean, th- there's some of that give and take as well, but in general, considering value a little bit, I think Bogdan makes more sense than Bruce Brown for the Knicks specifically. I agree. I think Bogdan makes more sense than Bruce Brown for the Knicks. Um, okay. The Wizards are the last like seller that I really want to dive into. Because honestly, like, I just don't know what the Bulls are doing. Uh, so 
it's just like not worth more time on them. I've talked a lot about Levine. I've talked a lot about um, Damar. We'll maybe if like there's more of an indication that they're willing to sell, we'll talk about them later this week. But I, let's like avoid the Bulls here for a minute. The Wizards, you know, do they look to move Kyle Kuzma? Do they look to move Tyus Jones? Uh, do they try to move Daniel Gafford? Where are you at on some of the fits for these role players, basically? Kuzma, a little bit more than that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking at Kuzma, you, another one where we talked about the Kings for somebody earlier. I think that makes a lot of sense there. I think Kyle Kuzma, you know, is a very I, good player. I'm not as sold on the Kings for Kuzma. I will say okay. that. Okay, interesting. Um, the defense. I would want sure. a real high-end defender as opposed to Kuzma, who's like switchable and useful on defense when he's playing for a team that's real uh, versus, you know, somebody's like, a, like an Ananobi made a lot of sense for them. But like, you know, the reporting was that he didn't want to sign there. Apparently, uh, you know, Kuzma's contract gets more valuable as a trade asset every year. 100% right. He's going to be making like $19 million in 2027. So yeah, lines up in a real way. Someone brought up Bruce Brown to the Kings. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, I'm here for Bruce Brown to the Kings. It's just, do they give up a first for Bruce Brown? And then what is the salary matching on it? Because the Kings don't really have any expirings right now. So are they like, like who, I, I don't know who the salary match is on the Kings, I guess. Um, Gafford is an interesting one. The Mavs, again, we talked a little bit about like needing yeah. another true center, lob threat, rim protector to play the minutes that Derek Lively just can't play right now, right? Like as good as he's been, um, you know, nobody's playing 48 minutes, obviously, and he's more in the mid-20s. And so uh, another guy that can do similar things. You know, I just watched the Thunder play against the Pistons on Sunday and Jalen Duran went for 20 and 20. And, and yes, a lot of that is because Jalen Duran's a very good basketball player, but it also is because the Thunder just didn't have anybody to, you know, pass Chet to really, you know, f- you know, meet him in that situation. Now Gafford doesn't fit the prototypical Oklahoma City player, right? But I think having this option on your roster isn't a bad idea. And then Tyus Jones is going to be an interesting one because I do think there's teams that could use a backup point guard, right? But, you know, I think that's how NBA teams are going to value him is as a backup point guard. So what's the value going to be for him in terms of the return? There are some teams, um, you know, you mentioned the Cavs here. The Wolves are a team that, you know, in the non-Conley minutes, having him, depending on what the Jazz want to do, uh, the Sixers. So yeah, I, I think the, you know that Tyus Jones is going to have a market. It's just what are teams willing to give up for a guy who really kind of caps as, and this isn't a bad cap, but as a really really good backup uh, point guard. Yeah, with Mike Conley on the court, the Minnesota Timberwolves are a plus nine this season. With Mike Conley off the court, they are a plus one point three. Uh, without those minutes, like. I think that realistically that is a uh they they need a backup point guard like pretty yeah. desperately. Uh I can't really find the deal for the Wolves is kind of the problem. Sure. Uh like you'd have to include Kyle Anderson and you'd have to do like you can get to the money like Kyle Anderson and Shake Milton like makes sense but 
like what what are you doing picks wise here is the real question like the picks like minnesota has memphis's second rounder i think they have memphis or uh washington's second rounder like it's one of the two so you could basically send back that pick and then send like they have a bunch of seconds that they could send like two or three seconds does something like shake Milton, Kyle Anderson in two seconds for Tyus Jones work. And that's the one second would be like in the top 40 this year. Cause it's Memphis or Washington. Yeah. I mean, is Tyus Jones going to fetch a first round pick on the market? I don't think so. I don't think so. Wonder if this does work. It's just whether or not the Wolves would be willing to move Kyle Anderson or not. Uh, Is that like, you know, an issue where you're kind of plugging one One hole to fill another, like you know, creating one hole to fill another kind of thing? Anderson has really struggled to shoot this season. Uh, I, I do wonder if that could work for them. Maybe you just like slide Nikhil down a little bit. Um, you know, Shake has been reasonable this season for them. Again, another guy that's like really struggling to shoot. So you'd basically just be getting like a bench upgrade kind of thing over the guys you have. Yeah, that leaves you with eight, nine guys that you can still play, um, which whenever you get to the playoffs, I think, you know, obviously you can make it work with that rotation. It'd be a little dicey in the regular season trying to play more than that, but. Yeah, that's interesting. Do do you know what trading Kyle Anderson would do for Minnesota? It might open up minutes for my guy Leonard Miller, baby. (laughs) Give me some Lenny minutes. That's Uh, where I'm at. I need some Leonard Miller minutes. Leonard Miller this season in the G League. Let's get those full full season stats up. He's averaging 19.4, 8.2 rebounds, 2.2 assists. Positive assist turnover rate. Shooting 51, 37, 87. <laughs> Let's get Leonard Miller minutes, baby. I no longer feel bad whenever I have specific guys. I come into the episode and I'm like, I'm going to plug this guy in this episode. Um, because you just did a Leonard Miller plug. So oh, no, you should plug anybody you want. Cause I'm going to hear, I'm going to be here plugging Leonard Miller all day. <laughs> um, yeah, like this is a deal I probably would do if I was Minnesota, to be honest. I don't know if they would, but uh, it's a deal I'd pretty strongly consider if I was them. And if I'm Washington, I don't think I'm doing better than like the 35th overall pick for Tyus Jones plus another yeah. second. Yeah. So uh, maybe they just want to have like a decent guy around to help their team. Uh, somebody asked about Rob Williams for the Rockets. I think this is where we like talk about Rob Williams versus Daniel Gafford. If I'm the Rockets, I want somebody who can help me this year and Rob Williams is seemingly out for the year. Like, I guess, you know, I I don't know that like unequivocally, but if I'm the Rockets front office and I feel like I need to win this year still, I I would very strongly want uh, Gafford over Rob Rob Williams. Yeah. And I mean, I I guess my thing with Rob Williams is like, how much can we trust things even moving forward like i hate to say it and i feel bad and it's not his fault but i mean we've seen this now multiple years where 
even when he does get back, how much longer does he last? And what are the long-term effects of everything that's gone on? And so um, I just, that, that's, if you want a guy that can really contribute and, you know, maybe the ceiling's not as high, but I, I feel like what he does provide is pretty quality and he's going to be there. I, I think, I think it's got to be Gafford. Well, and like the, the other problem is that, so the, the way people are making that potential like Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams idea for the Rockets work is by including Jeff Green in the deal, right? If you do here, I'll put it up on the screen. If you do Jeff Green, Jock Londale, Victor Oladipo and some sort of asset capital, um, this is not a final deal. I'm just saying like, you know, it, you, you make the money work doing it this way, right? You can't do that if you're Houston because they have because no backup Jeff five Green now. Is your backup five? Yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, it just really, really doesn't work. I don't think. Um, let, let's move to the. We, we haven't talked at all about Brogdon, and then we'll move to the end game. Brogdon, you know, all the teams we've said for the guards, you know. Uh, you know, the Magic, I think, are a team that could really make sense for Malcolm as well. But all the teams for the guards that we've mentioned earlier, you could do Malcolm for Markel Fultz and something. Yep. That that's that makes sense to me. I, I would want to get if I was Orlando, I would want to come away from this deadline with one of Malcolm Brogdon or Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think that would be my goal. Yeah. You know, if if it's not DeJounte Murray for the Lakers, maybe it's Brogdon. Um, like you said, even, you know, we went through the whole Pelicans thing, you know, the, the jazz, the jazz guard situation all of a sudden is a little bit interesting because like Colin Sexton has been hooping and yeah. Chris Dunn, like the box score numbers don't pop off. But when you watch him play, like he's an effective NBA player now, Keontae George is, you know, a rookie for them that needs minutes. And so sometimes like I understand why they come up with every guard, but then there's also a part of me not, you know, and Dunn may not be a long-term thing there and you can't play Sexton and George together. It's just interesting. Like, because the, those guys are playing a little bit better whenever that we, we did a whole segment on how bad the guard play was in Utah early in the season. So yeah. And they've been much better. Yeah. yeah they've been a, a whole lot better, but yeah, Brogdon seems like the guy, you know, I wonder if he's the guy, if Murray's the first domino to fall and then Brogdon ends up being, you know, okay, we missed out on DeJounte Murray. Now we go get Malcolm Brogdon. It'll be interesting to see like if one of those guys who goes before the other. Yeah. So, so I tweeted this deal last week. <laughs> Jalen Green for Alex Caruso. <laughs> This is never going to happen. I want to be very clear. This will never happen. This is the deal that is, I just want to talk this through in terms of tweeting about it. Um, if you're the Rockets, you really need a backup guard. Uh, I very strongly believe in my heart of hearts. I know Alperin Shangun has been a better basketball player than Fred Van Vliet. I think Fred is more important to their team than Alperin. Fred is the guy that gets them organized on offense. He's the guy that like makes everything functional for them. He fights over the top on defense. Like he is the extension of Ime Yudoka on the court. And if he is out and I know that Amen Thompson has been pretty playable recently, like he's been somewhat useful. If Fred is out, 
they will win 20% of their games the rest of the way. I, I like honestly believe that. If he misses any extended period of time, they will win 20% of their games in that extended period of time, I think. Alex Caruso would at least give them a chance in those minutes. And he could play with Fred. He could play, you know, point guard next to Dylan Brooks and guys like that. And like you, you could basically have the best defense in the league around Shengun on the perimeter. Also, I think it's easier just to value what Alex Caruso is in the trade market. Like, I think there's a real chance that like next year, Alex Caruso would be more valuable on the trade market than Jalen Green because Jalen Green is extension eligible this summer. Whereas Caruso, like, you know that you're not going to have to pay like a crazy amount more and teams know that, right? Green is one of the most fascinating trade chips or like players, frankly, let alone chips in the league. I have no idea how to value him. I have no idea how teams value him. There are teams that I think just like won't want to do it because he is going to be making crazy money. There are teams that will be like, no, like we think he's not going to make crazy money. Like he's going to hit restricted free agency. Like if I'm the Rockets, I'm going into the summer right now, expecting Jalen Green, who has averaged over the course of his three season career, you know, yeah, three season career to this point, 19.4 points. He averaged 22 points per game last year. He was a starter on a 500 team this year, averaged 18 points per game, even though they were not a good 18 points so far. I'm expecting he's going to come in and ask for at the very least what Devin Vassell got, right? Well, Jalen Green's going to come in and ask for the max, but like, I'm assuming there's no way I'm getting him for less than Devin Vassell got. Is that a deal that you want on your books? Like if I'm Houston, I don't. Based on what I've seen from Jalen Green so far, that's not to say he can't improve. Like we're talking about this on a night where Jalen Green had 34 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. And like, this was probably his best game of the year, but Based on what we've seen from Jalen so far, I don't, I would not want to give him $140 million or whatever, $150 million. Yeah. I mean, what's scary is the numbers have gone down. Like the efficient, the field goal percentage has gone down every year. The three point percentage has gone down every year. Some of the other stuff is has gotten better, at least stayed the same. Um, yeah, I, I think what you brought up, YouTube user brought up, is what's the next contract look like, right? Because I would hate to give up on, and I guess you're not giving up on him, right? Because Alex Caruso is a really good player on a really good contract, as you've outlined. Like uh, uh, people will yell at this or whatever. Alex Caruso is a more valuable player in terms of impacting wins and losses on an NBA court right now than Jalen Green is. The thing I wonder, like, and here's the thing with the Rockets is, do you have enough other young talent that it's like, it's okay. Like we, we have like Shingun has turned into a star this year. 
we know how both of us feel about Cam Whitmore. I think I'm probably not even there yet as far as I should be on Tari Eason and what he could be as a player. Jabari Smith, like Jabari Smith Jr. Probably not going to be a star, like probably not going to live up to the draft pick, but a really good play. I I think he's going to know what price I'm not even there on Jabari Smith. Like I, I think Jabari might be like a real dude for them. He's 20 years old. He's been probably their third most consistent player this season behind Fred and Shangun. He's averaging 14 points, nine rebounds, shooting 47, 38, 80 from the field. Like Jabari's going to be really good, man. Sure. I, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's like, that speaks to your point, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Like you, you have the other young talent that it's like, okay, we have, we have plenty of young players to develop. If we, sell on one to continue to try to win it's not bad so if if you're ranking rookie scale contract players on the rockets right now shingun like look look like i don't really care like about the first four whatever names that we're going to say, like in terms of like ordering them in the right order. Right. Shit. I didn't even say a mint Thompson yet. Gosh dang. Yeah, I know. Right. So like you would have Shangun ahead of Jalen green. You'd have a men Thompson ahead of Jalen green. You would have Jabari Smith ahead of Jalen green. You would have, I would have Tari Eason ahead of Jalen green. I don't know about you. I mean, I feel like it, when you put it in that context, it almost makes sense to do something like this whether it's Caruso yeah. or something else, right? Like, you know, what, I mean. And I, I would have Cam Whitmore ahead of Jalen Green too, by the way. <laughs> so Jalen Green is like, to, in my opinion, their sixth best long-term prospect, given that his contract is coming up sooner than these other guys. And just like given what we've seen, frankly. No, that's, it, it just, it's crazy to me because I've just always thought, while I still thought Cade was the guy, I've always thought Jalen Green was just going to be a 25 to 30 point a game score for a few years in this league and an all-star and just, you know, maybe lead the league in scoring for a couple years. And we're only three years into it. But the thing is, you put the veterans around him, right? Like that's why you go get Fred Van Vliet, right? Like we've had this conversation about Cade Cunningham and you have to, you have to, you want to know who they are. It doesn't bother me that his scoring percentage or scoring per game went down. I I don't care about that. I would have expected that this year. It's the efficiency. It's the, he's getting like more open shots and missing them. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem. You go get Fred Van Vliet and you see this progression from Shingun, to be quite honest, like you have these offensive hubs to where, again, like you said, you should get him easier shots. It should be more efficient. It should look the way you want it. And you haven't seen it that way up to this point. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Like Jalen, when Jalen Green is on the court this season, the Rockets are a minus 2.3. When he's off the court, they're a plus 6.7. If you put Alperin on the court, they are a minus one with Alperin and Jalen. 
With Alperin without Jalen, they're a plus 7.4. With Jalen without Alperin, they're a minus 8.6. Like, it, it's been a re, it's been an issue the whole year that Jalen Green just frankly has not been great. If you have Jalen Green, Alperin, Shangun, and Fred Van Vliet on the court, they're a plus 0.5. So half a point per 100 possessions better than their opposition. If you have Alperin and Fred on the court without Jalen Green, they're a plus 13 this year. So like, and look, I say all this to say they're in a spot where they need to get better. Like they need their front office. They need to make moves to be able to keep their jobs on some level and to show real growth. So that's, I think maybe where my disconnect is in terms of, I understand, I would understand this move, I guess, from we need to go win games, right? Like we need to end up in the play in game tournament maybe win the games to get us into the actual playoffs. I guess I'm not thinking of it that way from Houston's perspective in terms of like, I would be okay continuing to slow play this a little bit because of all the young talent, seeing how it fleshes out and giving it a little more time. But see, like I'm with that and I'm for it, but I think you need to start getting those guys like high leverage experience. and, And I, yeah, like now, yeah, no, I and I agree there's a lot of value in that, right? Like I, I would hate to move I, I wish you could I wish you could see it out. I would want to see this season out with Jalen. I would want to see Jalen in the play in games and see how and he you played. can. Like you you absolutely can do that, and I think that's a reasonable take. Uh and here's the thing like part of the reason I think this makes sense for Chicago is like look, Chicago has Zach Levine, they have DeMar DeRozan, like they don't need another score first guy. But like, are you going to get a higher upside swing for Alex Caruso than Jalen fucking Green? No, like, yeah. like for as much as I just like shit on Jalen Green, I like hand up, I did. I'm sorry. Like, I, I really hope that Jalen proves me wrong. Like, by all means, like I would be ecstatic if he turns into like a real player. But it's been a struggle so far, man. And if I'm Houston, like I have enough young guys. To where I can take flyers on other guys, keep my books clean, go get like a good player. I think I want to, if I'm Houston, I think they are in a position to where they can move earlier on Jalen Green than maybe what other organizations would or should. Uh, And that's because of how well they've drafted. They've nailed Alperin. They've nailed Cam Whitmore. They've nailed Tari Eason in the teens and cam at 20. This isn't me saying that, like, I don't think Jalen green's ever going to be a good player. I I think there's, you know, I think the odds are Jalen green will probably average, you know, 23, 25 at some point, like on reasonable efficiency. I just don't know if he's what they need now, I guess is where I'm at. No. And I think that's like, when you first put it up on the screen, my, my gut was like, no, like, no, I'm not selling on Jalen Green right now, not yet, not for something without something more. When you start to add in the nuance, and this is why I think nuance is always important of all of the other young guys on the roster, 
the money you're going to have to pay him sooner or, or at some point, I shouldn't say sooner rather than later, but some of those decisions are coming up as you outlined. It started to at least make me think about it a little bit more. Um, you kind of shocked me with that one. I, I didn't see your tweet, so I wasn't prepared. So I'm still trying to digest. Um, and by the way, I, that deal would break people's brains. Yeah. Like the, the, the shock, of- the shock value of that is crazy, right? Like Jalen Green for Alex Caruso, the shock value of that is crazy. Number two overall pick for undrafted. <laughs> uh, by the way, one of those guys is uh, at the USA camp this year. Yeah, it's not the not the one on Houston right now. I know. Um, and, and seriously, like. Brazil popular brings up the bulls are not trading Caruso for Jalen green alone. Add Tari Eason or a first, at least they're not getting that much. Tari Eason's really good. Like Tari Eason, I think is a better asset than Jalen green. Um, but the question for the bulls would be, do we want Jalen green? Do we want to deal with this payment situation? And could we just move Alex Caruso for like two first round picks somewhere else? So uh, over the last couple of years, like I've heard like, crazy offers okay so here's like, my- i can't repeat them because like I, I don't know what's real and what's not but like like from people around the league like i've heard like create like chicago has been presented with like some wild offers for caruso and, and listen I, I get the sell for alex caruso i do i think he's awesome defensively i think he's one of those guys that's if i hope people understand what, like he's a solid defender like a good defender while also being a playmaking disruptive defender usually guys are kind of one or the other like hey he's a really yeah. good you know defender stays in front of his man blah 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 or there's a guy that's just super disruptive steals blocks so i feel like caruso does both it has a balance of both i want alex caruso to get traded in the next 10 days just because i want to see what the value actually is because i have a hard it's time a great rap- exercise yeah <laughs> i have a hard time wrapping my brain around some of the and I believe it like I, I I like I have no reason not to believe it it's just like I want to see if he will actually get traded for two first round picks like I want to see that two real yeah. first round picks not not like crazy protected maybe they can be, like I want to see what Alex Caruso's value actually is to NBA teams and for that reason alone I want him to get traded in the next 10 days I'm with it. Like it'd just be a really interesting like exercise as much as anything. Um, yeah. Like it's interesting. Like the analytics crowd loves them. Some Caruso. Like I, I get that take, but honestly to me, it's more like the tape watching community loves them. Some Alex Caruso. Yeah. <laughs> like you like, watch uh, yeah. that dude on defense. It is crazy how good he, he is on a permanent basis. And by the way, like he's played, real minutes this year the last couple of years like it's been okay like do we really need to parse between alex caruso playing 22 minutes a night versus other guys um like caruso's played like 26 to 30 minutes a night this year and he is so abundantly clearly the best guard defender in the league i think like it, yeah. it, it is i don't even know that it, it's close really uh- I can't tell you alex caruso's analytics or box score numbers or anything like i have no clue I just know at one point I was like, man, I feel like the hype on Caruso is getting a little bit high. Let me turn on some of these Bulls games. Plus Kobe White was going crazy and some of that stuff. So I watched like multiple, like over a week stretch, multiple Bulls games. And it's like, 
the eye test backs it up too. Like he's he's really good defensively, really good. Yeah. I, like probably the best guard. Obviously, there's a little bit more limitations with the amount of versatility because of his size, but he can guard multiple positions and he's really good at it. He's insane. It's the help. Like he's everywhere in help. Every time you watch him, it's just like, what, where is this guy? How is this guy here? I, I don't get it. Um, Fred, okay, we need to Caruso, get you. Tari Eason. I was just thinking like somebody Dylan puts Brooks. him here. Like, Dylan <laughs> like Jabari. Um, by the way, Amen Thompson has been Amen. everywhere yep. on defense as well, by the way. Yeah. Like Shingun would have to play defense. Around. Listen, Shagun doesn't have to play defense because nobody's getting to the rim anyway. He don't have to protect it. He can just grab a rebound and go. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, okay, let's get you out of here. It's like 1045 your time. Uh, it is. Before we go, though, the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, you didn't even throw that in at the top. I wanted to give you the floor, and you just didn't even – didn't even take a take a nice tight victory lap. Take a quick ten. I, I I will not. I believe in karma. Like I am the ultimate believer in karma, and I will not speak a word of this about any of it. And here's the other thing: I just know how hated Mahomes and Kelsey and Taylor Swift and the Chiefs are. And so there's just no point. Yeah, you live in the Midwest that, where like all those people are frustrated about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um. I fan about the Chiefs. See, right there. Please, no more Taylor Swift news. I fan about the Chiefs very, very like isolated. I watch the games by myself. I will not attend a Super Bowl party. I will record the game. I will watch some other game until it's about an hour and a half in so I can fast forward commercials. I will not be on social media. Like, I talked to one person so, like, about it. Will you watch it with your kids? Uh, my oldest son is finally into this stuff a little bit so we'll watch it together but god love him he asks so many damn questions as we watch sometimes i send him to the basement to watch by himself so i can watch it in peace and quiet and i love him and i love him so much and i'm so glad he's so interested um but gosh dang i feel like it's hard uh in the super bowl particularly in those yeah. moments yeah um if it's a regular season game, you might be able to do it. I was excited. I thought we were getting the Lions. Um, oh, Sam, I, I my, wanted... Uh, no. My, my wife's dad is a huge 49ers fan, so we watched it with okay. them over here yesterday. And I was, like, kind of rooting for the Lions because it's the Lions. Like, Yeah, sure. God, like, I feel bad for Detroit. Like, they have the Pistons. They have like this Lions team that has struggled so much, they couldn't even fucking win with Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, really. Like, they, they those two guys, like Barry Sanders, probably the best running back of all time. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I I will go to my grave thinking that. Um, Calvin Johnson, one of the three best receivers of all time. Like, truly, like from a physical tools standpoint, yeah. from everything he was capable of accomplishing. And they couldn't figure out how to win with those guys. I mean, I, I just wanted them to win and the synergy of the chiefs and lions playing in the first game of the year and the last game of the year would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. Would have been pretty cool, but uh, look, the 49ers are a great team and I'm excited to watch this. Game. I wanted nothing to do with the chiefs lion super bowl. I would have sh- shut off my Twitter account for the whole month. Cause oh, yeah, you, you uh, yeah, on you my, yeah, on my motor city hoops, like that's all 
Detroit fans. You know, that's all it is. Yeah. And oh, it would have been insufferable. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted like I was. I think it was awesome what the Lions did, but I did not want that matchup. I what, it, however, it was not going to happen is how I wanted it to not happen. So, yeah. Uh, okay, Bryce. Uh, that's all I've got. I think that I'm going to go eat a crumble cookie and go to bed. It. So. Man, I don't have crumble cookies here. I've never had a crumble cookie even. Oh my gosh. They're amazing. Yeah. Like it, it's one of those things where I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. Um, I will, I, I, I will talk I, to my I, wife about what it costs to deliver yeah, crumble cookies. Absolutely, to. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is the, a terrible the, idea. Bryce. The, ship, the shipping on that sounds expensive. It's a terrible idea. Absolutely not. Um, Summer league. I'll bring them to you at summer league. That's a better plan. Uh, okay. Go to the athletic. Keep me employed over there. Uh, this show will be back probably on Thursday night in the U S because tomorrow I'm going to the U 20 event here in Australia. It's like the national championships, like the U twenties. So I'm super excited to dive in there and like get to see some kids got to see Austin rap play against Alex R over the weekend. Uh, Austin Rapp is like this kid that's going to Portland next season who is like a developmental player for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. They won Austin Rapp's minutes. They lost by double digits and they won Austin Rapp's minutes. It was fun. Uh, I was sitting next to Olga and Uluk and we were just like, I was sitting there. I'm like, man, Rapp's giving them some good minutes right now. So I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see all the guys at the Academy. Really pumped to kind of dive into all of this and uh, get to go meet some people across Australia that work in basketball like that. That seems like a really, really fun time. It's a great community. Everybody I've met here that works in hoops is just so accommodating and like such unbelievable people. I had a great time over the weekend. Uh, went to go see Alex R in Perth. Maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe I'll have you come on on Thursday and we'll do more of a draft episode because um, I got to see Alex R in person. Um, it was great. Uh, he, he is he had like 18 points and six blocks and completely took over the game. I was just sitting there like watching and like I was sitting right behind the um, Southeast bench and some of the shit that Alex R would do, like they're very injured right now. So they have like four or five guys like behind the bench and you just see, see their faces after Sar would do some stuff and they'd just be like, Whoa, uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, so we'll talk about that maybe. Um, and just shout out Southeast, like great experience went down like to the state basketball center. It's like if you went to a mid-major college, basically where it's just like the seating on the sides as opposed to like all the okay. way around yeah, yeah. and it's like pretty, pretty intimate. Like, you know, I don't know, 3000 to 4,000 people, let's call it. And it gets so loud and it was so fun. I had like a, an amazing experience uh, down there this weekend with Southeast. So shout out to those guys. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday, Friday, my time. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.